This is Kerry Uridine, and you're listening to Normandy FM Cyberpunk 2077 Retrospective. Welcome to an extra special, extra wonderful Cyberpunk 2077 edition of Normandy FM. I, as always, one of your co-hosts, Eric Van Allen, joined by Kenneth Shepard. Ken, how you doing today? I was okay until I realized that this mic is still not picking up the claps that we do to sync up our audio tracks for the show. Uh, for some reason, I, I, I don't know why, this has been a very frustrating process. Migrating over to a new mic, a new system. But I'll figure we'll, it out. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll, we'll come up with a new system, possibly. Yeah. yeah. We'll just, you know, Ken, the, the clear answer to this is that we move into the same apartment and then we just live together and we just spend mm. every waking moment together. And that is that is clearly mm. the only mm-hmm. remaining answer. I'm just going to need you to get used to cats, if, if that's okay. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, I mean, and then you'll just have to get used to the men that I would invite over. I'm <laughs> not to give the listeners too much information, but I have historically learned that that is not a problem and or I cannot do anything about it. So <laughs> what, what I can or cannot control, I do not try to control myself. <laughs> but for the folks at home, oh, we're God. talking about a, a bit of loss of control because we're on the side quests this week. That's right. Even though V has... Uh, a Keanu Reeves problem in their head that is slowly destroying them. There is always time for side quests. And this is the act three mm-hmm. side quest section. So uh, much like our act two side quests, uh, we will be taking a little bit of time to talk with a couple different guests. Uh, we have Colin McGregor of Fanbyte on to chat a little bit about the side quests. We had some good good discussion there, had some good times. We also had Sam Greer on to talk a little bit about some side quests. Had some great times, great conversations. Talked about uh, pop celebrities. We talked about uh, meditation and finding oneself in the meditation. Uh, we talked about my cat making noise because Poe decides he wants to be on the podcast sometimes. Or the props to them for like actually uh, being able to squeeze out a lot of uh, a lot of discussion out of the side quests in Act Three because they are um they are they are not centerman is what we'll call them we they are not heroes they are not dream on yeah it's it's interesting because I think we're going to talk a little bit about it today uh, we are recording this now at the conclusion of. Uh, our guest recordings and just before we are about to finish our, our outro section, you know, for, for the folks at home. But I do think that there is a nugget of something in these quests. And I think the recurring motif that you will hear as we go through each one of them is that while there are ideas 
there are uh, things happening here that maybe some limitations came up, maybe some problems existed in development, maybe the ideas just never got fully formed. Who's to say? But we will explore all of that in the coming sections. First up, first guest, stay tuned after the break. This is Kerry Uridine, and you're listening to Normandy FM Cyberpunk 2077 Retrospective. And we're back with the next segment of our Act 3 side quest episode here on Normandy FM. Of course, Eric Van Allen joined by Kenneth Shepard. And who is our wonderful guest here today for this section of side quests? Is that where I is that? Hey, you're making that's, that's you, that's, I'm laying out laying out the that, runway. That I guess, hello, I was sure if I was introducing myself or Kenneth's introducing me. Hello, I'm uh, Colin McGregor. I am the it feels weird to say now the guide writer at fanbyte.com. Uh, not sure how long that's going to hold up. Uh, spoiler alert: not sure how long that's going. But I'm also uh, a big fan of Normandy FM, uh, despite the fact that I. I, big fancy you you know i don't i don't play a lot of mass effect but then i heard you guys are doing a cyberpunk one around the same time i started my cyberpunk playthrough so i was very uh i was kind of mm. like almost listening to them as i went through at least the main story stuff uh i've been very much enjoying the the show heck yeah we're, we're happy to have you it's still my goal to get everybody at the site that was once fanbyte.com on the show at some point and now that you're here, that's another one of the list. We've we we have to be yeah, like, running I mean, out of like this. Three point. or four left. I yeah, think. it's what like Paul mm. is, is Paul the last remaining holder. Yeah, we need Paul. We got to get Dylan mm. and Merritt. Mm-hmm. Once you then you, then once you've got us all together, it's like the Infinity Stones. Then we we have like we have an, it's, mm-hmm, an, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. an unrivaled amount of power in in one area. We we bring Merritt on by finally doing an Elden Ring series. That's the it's <laughs> the deal with the devil we're gonna have to make here, Ken. <laughs> Normandy FM Merit Soul Edition. That's not a bad pitch. That is not a bad pitch. But as for today's episode, Colin, you mentioned it before. But what's your what's your history with Cyberpunk? What what kind of brought you to the series in the first place? You know, how experienced are you with it, and what's kind of been your broad takeaway from playing it? Complicated, I guess, is the Mm. correct answer when it comes. I suppose that's like everybody's like just flat baseline with this this game's relationship. Um, so I know of the tabletop. I never played it. I had some friends in high school that like tried it. Uh, never, never been a fan uh, of uh, the the tabletop. But I've always, you know, been a fan of the cyberpunk aesthetic. Deus Ex: Mankind Divided. Like that's one of my favorite games of all mm-hmm. time. Like mm-hmm. those kind of like cyberpunk esque games are very like much my thing. And I've obviously enjoyed uh, CD Projekt Red's previous uh, franchise, like The Witcher. I'm a big fan of the whole franchise of that. So you know when. Like everybody else, very excited and very concerned when the Cyberpunk game was announced in 1976 and then just never spoken mm-hmm. about again. Uh, mm-hmm. And then finally released, obviously, it was bad. I played maybe the first, like, three hours of it for work. <laughs> and then I remember uh, mm-hmm. telling Dylan, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, it's a bad game and it's not going to get any traction <laughs> for a bit. And, you know, I stepped away and then... Uh, a year or so i think passed and then they released the big update i'm not sure what the number sequence is i think it's 1.16 it's the one where they 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 claim they fixed a lot of the bugs i kind of went back into it i'm like all right i'll try it again and i i really i really found myself enjoying it a lot more not even from like a technical standpoint but like i was in a more 
less crazy place, I suppose, with like my work and my, my life. Uh, mm. I have more time to really kind of sit down and soak it in and enjoy it because how I play RPGs is I rarely like mainline the story. I I don't really fast travel in Cyberpunk. I just like to walk and drive mm. everywhere. I really like the act of exploring an RPG's world and getting kind of soaked into it, especially uh, if, the, if it's something that's very unique or feels very different than what I'm kind of normally used to with like fantasy games or mm. Uh, mm. stuff like that, mm. or like high sci-fi like Destiny. Um, I kind of like really enjoyed Cyberpunk's kind of general feel and vibes there are some odd things uh like i think it's the way it handles orientalism is still a little weird yeah, uh but I mean, that's that's i think the genre at large in right. uh i think some of the posters uh are a little bit weird um mm -hmm. but i mm -hmm. i think the some of the small man man babies that walk around are very scary uh <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that feels like an homage to the bethesda open world rpgs that inspired it you know like what is an open world rpg if there's not tiny little goblins walking around <laughs> <laughs> scapegoating as children just like very terrifying small like monsters just walking around and uh i i've enjoyed my time with it a lot more than i thought i would i find myself really kind of digging into the game's lore and a lot of how the mm. game has like a lot of the stories it's like kind of tells the different side characters like you i enjoy the act of stumbling on things in these kind of games like uh mm. there's the talking vending machine i just kind of accidentally fell on and like right. there's that whole like it's, it's like a reoccurring thing that just i have to keep coming back to this idiot and keep talking him down or the delamain cars or uh the different factions and the different gigs and the cyber psychos i find it all very interesting how the game kind of weaves it it's it obviously is ultimately very gamey and how it kind of structures mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. right. uh and in the overwhelming amount of things on your hud uh but i i've generally enjoyed a lot about cyberpunk and they finally added transmog which has been one of my biggest concerns because i look mm -hmm. like a weirdo in like 90 mm percent -hmm. mm -hmm. of my like photos or interactions because i'm just wearing like this tank top with like these like combat pants and over like a vest over like a military vest and then like uh, uh, a demon mask and then just like a baseball cat. I just look like a weirdo and now I can finally look like a normal person in the world. Um, mm -hmm. it, I mean, it's it's better than I think a lot of people are still giving it credit for. Like, I think Cyberpunk's kind of latched to its launch and I feel bad in a way. For CD Projekt Red on how that happened, mm. I'm obviously, you know, those things like they shouldn't happen. It shouldn't have launched in the state, but um, I think it's a game that definitely deserves a second try by a lot of people who who may have given up on it because I think there is something really compelling about the world and its and its characters and even the gameplay is a lot more fun than I anticipated. Uh, the shooting feels good. Um, I I went for a stealth build on mine. Uh, I would use mono wire and a revolver, uh, silence revolver from my build. Mm. Um, but I, I enjoy the the different ways you can go about it, like the the kind of bonkers uh, design that you can like make your character. Like how when Cyberpunk Edge Riders came out, everybody's doing the Martina, the Ramirez uh, build where everybody's got like the slow down time stuff. Mm. I enjoy that you can kind of have that freedom of customization and uh, how you kind of go about it. Even if I will say. 
my only real major complaint. I think the game's really stingy with your money, and it's a little weird. Uh, I feel like unless you do a money glitch, like I feel like I never have a substantial amount of money beyond like a hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a game where I feel like you maybe like being strapped for cash is an intent in some way, or maybe they wanted the economy to feel this way. But I think that's also indicative of like the ways in which you get money in this game are often as as we've talked about before like everything in this game ties back to its quests right because there's not there's not mm-hmm. a lot of like ambient things happening in the world that are separate from the quests um there's you can run into these these set up like cyber psychos or uh ncpd assaults which are kind of like the oh, you stumbled across something happening. Like, I think they call them, like, uh, crime in progress or assault yeah. in progress or something in the game. Mm-hmm. And um, you can participate in those and, and get some funds, but, you know, you get them in, like, $200, $400 donation or donations, uh, denominations, <laughs> when, like, uh, you know, a, a big, nice upgrade or, like, a bunch of parts uh, for something can cost thousands. Uh, and, and usually that means you end up just picking up a bunch of things that you're going to sell. And I this may maybe mm. one of my least favorite things in a video game ever is like picking a gun up because I can sell it. I feel like that is one of the worst feelings in a video game that you can have. And you have to do it, it makes, a lot. It makes everything feel so dispensable and disposable. Like, like you are like you're being given scripts almost right like you're being given not cash but the thing that can convert into cash later if you put like the extra effort in but if you don't put the extra effort in then it's just clogging up your inventory um i felt like i was noticing that a lot as we played through the missions for this one uh for these two side quests that we've set out here and i'll ask you about why you picked them in in a moment here but i felt like i was running into a lot of situations where i was picking things up not because i wanted to pick things up but because like oh hey i can probably sell that for cash and that'll get me like closer to buying the crafting components i need for my next legendary quick hack or something like that so not always the most invigorating feeling but to talk about what invigorates us colin is there a reason you chose two following missions in <laughs> Cyberpunk? Is it just happened to, to, to be that, or it's it's a, it's a I, I didn't in, it completely intend on it, but like you can definitely tell like I am a Hitman like lover, yes. like a, a yes. fan of the Hitman yeah. franchise. Assassin's I, I, Creed, possibly. I don't, yeah, I don't mind stalking. Uh, that sounds awful. I don't mind stalking people <laughs> in games. I don't mind the kind of like slow tone of kind of like planning out everything and following people. Usually, I, usually the stalker is not the one who minds in these situations. No, I found. No, I mean it can be inconvenient for them if they go somewhere you know you don't want to really go, and I have to get changed in a guard's outfit. It's a whole thing, Eric. I have to. I've, I've never, I've never heard that complaint before. You are such a hassle to stalk. It that is. is. It's a new one for me you know it's, it can be difficult sometimes nobody ever really thinks about what i go through it's always about what they go through and you know sometimes i would, I would like them to, to you know think about all the time that it takes for me to get ready and to stalk and to plan routes it's just really inconvenient um but but, but every mm-hmm. breath you take you know that's a good one to start out with is is about stalkers it, yeah it is about i i think it is actually conceptually textually one of the more interesting ones we're going to tackle in 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 act three mostly because it is a kind of a 
daisy chain off of another quest depending on whether you have finished it you know quote unquote correctly and that's another thing that we're going to be getting into uh with the with the other side (laughs) quest as well but uh this is one that only pops up if you finished the carry uridine stuff and had like a positive interaction with us cracks the the girl group and if you did you eventually get called up by blue moon who is one of their performers and says hey you know Carrie recommended you, said you could help out. You know, V hasn't been going. Uh, there's a fan who has been sending death threats. Uh, it, like, specifically describes uh, one of the packages being an explosive device and uh, other bad things being sent in the mail to this uh, celebrity. And so Blue Moon wants our help to kind of smoke out this stalker and, and figure out who they are and what's going on. And, and the only info we're really given is that this person always signs off their letters with the same initials, GC. Um, so we head over to the Kabuki roundabout and we meet up with Blue Moon. And, and I, I like meeting the, the sort of like incognito, like they gave Blue Moon this like special outfit that is definitely like a celeb trying to dodge the paparazzi <laughs> kind of get up. Um, and, you know, you basically get told, hey, you know, I'm going to be walking around, just follow me, stay a little outside, keep an eye out. Uh, I believe one of the other Us Cracks members is in the area as well. She mentions, like, I think Red Riot or something is, like, nearby as well, but you don't really see her at all. Um, Mm -hmm. But now we just kind of enter this weird thing where we are following this character, and they're going to interact with a bunch of people, and different scenes are going to play out, and we're going to see how we want to interact with them and what's interesting about this is that ken and i both resolved it in different ways <laughs> uh which kind of speaks to the the malleability i guess of of this uh scenario and colin i'm kind of curious like was that hitman aspect kind of what drew you to this uh side quest in particular i think a lot of it is what i like about this quest is i i like quests that are a lot more open and how you kind of approach them like Mm. cyberpunk a lot of the quests are like Mm. open as in like you can go the stealth route or you can go the action route and like it it, it can be a little bit boring uh and a little bit repetitive especially on like some of the main quests but i think with this one um i like that it's more about your observational built skills and not Mm. what you kind of like like i can all of the options are basically available to you. It's just a matter of what you see and understand. It's not like if I dumped enough stats into strength, can I open this mm. door or can mm. I dump my technical ability skills to, to unlock this? It's a lot more about your uh, deduction and your understanding of uh, kind of like her environment and then keeping an eye on like the area around her and not just watching Blue Moon as she was. Because I, I resolved it by finding the paparazzi on the top floor and then he's like, hey this person's been following them and then that's kind of like how i followed it but like i ran the quest a couple times uh, in preparation for this and then i didn't realize you can find like green cloud like in the gun store like next door like when you first arrive like it's it's very she has like a very green cloud who is the the stalker that you you eventually find has a very kind of like set pattern but it's very like hitman in the way that like you can kind of influence the different ways that kind of like everything plays out until they they meet on the bridge, which I found was really interesting. Um, the only thing I wasn't big on is I think the ending uh, is a little anticlimactic. 
like they have this so yeah. you when you when you eventually like get to the end of this uh you get to a bridge and then like a person approaches blue moon from across the bridge and it's green cloud and she's she threatens the killer and she draws the gun and then you know you either get or you kill her and I don't really care for that ending because, like, even if you did absolutely no deduction skills, 90% of the time you're probably fast enough to kill her before she kills Blue Moon. Like, mm-hmm. unless you're, like, really not paying attention or, like, looking around uh, off in the distance or really not sticking to Blue Moon's side. Like, it, I found this to be a, a quest that was difficult to fail. Like, you really have to try, mm-hmm. I think, to fail. And I think that's a little bit boring. I think, like, it should it should be, if you didn't figure out in time, like green cloud shoots her from like the crowd or something like it's clear it's quite obvious who the stalker is when she's the only person that approaches her on like a lone suspension bridge over everyone else like there aren't many options left about who that is well there are so the way i figured it out in my playthrough which so y'all both took the paparazzi route yeah um the way i Mm -hmm. figured it out was i was actually following blue moon and one of the early encounters you have is is Green Cloud stops her. He's like, hey, let's get a picture. I want to take a picture with you. Um, and it was right after Blue Moon had kind of walked by some animals, the the gang animals, um, and, and kind of got harassed by them. But it turned out to just be like some overeager fans or whatever. Um, and so Green Cloud runs up and is like, oh, take a picture with me. And, and the first thing I think is like, okay, immediately that's weird because like the way she is kind of I don't know if this was intentional, but the way the character was positioning the camera as if like trying to get the right shot and get the um, like, like look around right. almost like the character was kind of like taking in what was going on around her. I wondered if there was like an intentional pause there to be like, oh, is she like scoping it out to see if like the the coast is clear, essentially. Right. Um, but after that she you know she walks away and i walked up to her and i had already like had some gears turning and then you know she can be like oh hi who are you and and i had like two options there and one of them was like green cloud interesting name and that was when it clicked for me i was like oh gc she's mm-hmm. been signing her letters off this is green cloud and so i like confront her with that and i'm like oh interesting you've been signing that off green cloud or should i say gc and she's like shit and like pulls again out and starts running and that's when uh v was immediately like uh like gets on the commas like uh blue found your stalker and and you kind of are supposed to have a chase by just like quick actor and, and <laughs> short circuited her like immediately as she was like running I, I wasn't even like walking i was just like standing there like slowly just pinging her cyberware and being like okay there we go like hack <laughs> and that takes care of that and not I, lethal by i the way. turned over optics and then just like punched her until she passed yeah out. yeah non-lethal by the way <laughs> mm, mm, mm. um and and then the the quest kind of closes with uh, at this point you know blue moon like catches up to wherever you are for me like she had to kind of route back to where i was which is kind of awkward uh but you know, Blue Moon is like, what do we do with her? And, and and well, let me first say that there's an interesting dialogue that happens where they explicitly call out the fact that like, number one, Green Cloud had like 
a timeline of Blue Moon's movements on her person, as well as like photos of Blue Moon with her eyes cut out and stuff, which is like that's normal. That's normal. That's just normal well, fan behavior. Uh, to, to me, that red is like I have seen a movie with a serial killer in it before. <laughs> I watched <laughs> it was, seven. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yes, exactly. It was. It was like the river side quest all over again, where it felt like okay, we're doing the the thing where we are just using like tropes to get across the serial killer idea instead of developing any like reason why this fan would be obsessed with this character or because they don't you don't really like get a reason as far as i could tell i mean there's a there's a bit to like interpret like her name is green cloud which is the same sort of like format that all the girls to like kill the moon and take her place or something right like yeah that was my my reading on it or you know it, or at least like she was she wanted to be part of us cracks in some way um but how does that, that turn how, I how does that it? turn violent why does she select blue moon specifically like what is her right. beef? Like, like that's kind of what i'm saying is like they so, they, they drop yeah. an idea and and then they're just like nah never mind it's just crazy stalker it, and then they're like oh kind of weird she was a girl right, right? <laughs> it, it feels like there's another <laughs> okay that's like my main concern <laughs> it feels like there's another act in this yeah. story that's missing yes like like yeah. right like we should have like it should have been like how it feels that this should have played out is you find out who green cloud is and then green cloud gets away and then you like go to her apartment or something and then you learn more about her or you whatever happens next but like it just kind of I feel like this is a lot of, like, cyberpunk, like, one-off side quests. They just, like, weirdly resolve themselves. Like, it's just like, and it's all fine now. And then it just moves on. It's like, we did... I don't know. I feel... I do agree that there's definitely, like, small hints about what it's about. Like, I, I agree that I think Green Cloud was trying to, like, clearly replace Blue Moon. Because that feels like a name that you would put to to join, you know, from... Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird kind of, like, it just... V just kind of like nonchalantly does his thing where he's like, "Yeah, it's you know, it's over," and then just just walks off, and then that's it. That's that's <laughs> the whole story. It. It's it's Chinatown, you know. Yeah, it just just leaves. It's just like, oh, okay. It's yeah, cool. it, and it, it it's like the through line of Act Three. All of these like yes. questions, which is why I think we're gonna have like less to say on most of them than we did even in Act oh, Two, God, where yeah. we had like an hour and a half long discussion about Cinnamon. Um. Because, like, you know, conceptually, there are a lot of these interesting ideas that, that Act 3 quests bring up, but it just never really feels terribly interested in extrapolating on them. It's very much like it's... I think the quests in this act are the most that Cyberpunk falls into this thing where it goes like, hey, we showed you this thing. Kind of fucked up. Anyway, go get Johnny Silver in out of your head. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, so as we are recording this, this is the first, you know, those who are listening at home, this will be part of a broader episode, much like we did the SideQuest uh, episode uh, for Act 2, where we were kind of stringing this all together, editing it all together into one big whole. But uh, with the, the recurring through line, and this is the first one we are recording of this, is that all of these quests kind of feel this way, where it's like, boy this this certainly could have been more interesting if expanded out and 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 broadened upon and and you know elaborated on and maybe thought through a little bit more and tied in and and it has made me largely begin to question the narrative around cyberpunk they're like oh but the side quests are good i'm like "Mm, okay but like there are a handful of really good ones there there are some good side quests that does not necessarily mean like the side quests are good like it just means that some side quests are good and 
like look i could arguably say similar things about many other open world games there are very few open world Mm. games that have all banger side quests and we can't all be fallout new vegas but it's i i mm, yeah this is i really feel like there was a ball dropped on some of these and maybe this is where we're going to really start to see uh where development timeline started to hit the rubber i mean we don't know for sure. I don't have inside information on CD Projekt Red's development history or anything, but the fact that many of the of the quests that feel truncated and, and cut off and cut short are all happening at the very end of the game in Act 3 certainly mm-hmm. like sends a message to me. It's, I think it's actually kind of unsurprising that a lot of these quests... like The quest quality is very scattershot. Because uh, I think like, we saw the same thing in Witcher Three that a lot of people like kind of prop up Witcher Three as having like incredible side quests and like there are just like in this game there are some really good side quests in Witcher Three. There are also ones that you can do in like twenty minutes and they're over and that's kind of it and nothing really gets expanded upon and I feel like that's a lot of what uh, is in Cyberpunk where it's kind of like CD Projekt Red's design where they very much dump you can tell what characters or what stories they really wanted to tell and dump their information into and really expand on. And you can tell what's once they kind of just added on or they didn't have time, like maybe they didn't have time to finish or they just like creatively hit a stunt with it and they didn't know what to like go with it. But it, it feel does feel like a lot of the act three ones outside of like maybe the one where you're, uh, I can't remember the name of the ones, the one, the mind control one felt like the only like real one with real meat behind it. Mm -hmm. that like, really kind of like built and extrapolated on and then a lot of these are very kind of like one-off short experiences meant to rush you so you could like get back to getting johnny silverhand out of your head Mm -hmm. talking about getting back to the action let's talk about raymond chandler evening uh which is another side quest we've selected here where we head over to the coyote coho which is the mama wells bar uh and and here we can show up and, and we immediately walk in and see uh, two guys harassing a corpo uh, who's, who's, you know, he's, he's down, you know, he's in his cups a bit and uh, they're, they're kind of, you know, being like, Oh, what are you doing here? This, this ain't your, your town. Get out of here. And the bartender uh, asks us to interject in case you remember the bartender from uh, any of say like the, the street kid or heroes or anything like that. Uh, Pepe and, uh, we we can interject in a few ways. Uh, Ken used a vocal uh, intimidation Me. method. Uh, I used my fists. I also <laughs> used my fists. Who who's to say which is better? Because <laughs> like the, the way you can you can talk out of it is if, if you're the street kid, you can say that Mom Wells will rock their shit if they don't get out. Colin, what kind of V are you playing? Like, what's your your origin? Oh, I'm a corpo rat. I'm a corpo hell rat. yeah. I'm a, I'm a corpo mm. rat, baby. Oh, got, I got myself a crisp suit. I will. Mm-hmm. I look mm-hmm. good in it. Mm-hmm. I am hacking mm-hmm. people. I look. I look fancy. None of that street business mm-hmm. or nomad life for me. No sir. There is really something about the corpo playthrough that has just warmed me to cyberpunk in a way that <laughs> nomad did not. Because like I, like conceptually, conceptually, I love the nomad stuff. And and as you know. As we've gone through the season, the more I have reflected on the specifically nomad parts of this game, all the stuff with Pam and the Aldecaldos, uh, I won't call her Pam, Pan Am, and the Aldecaldos, uh, that stuff is honestly some of the 
like main content that has stuck with me the most as we right. played through this game. Whereas, but it, like actually being a nomad and the the tools they give you to be a nomad and the the options they give you just do not feel like they ground me in this world do not feel like they give me interesting role-playing choices whereas being a corpo oh i love being a former corpo and it really rings out here because after you take care of these guys in whatever way you want the the corpo guy uh can be like oh you know why'd you help me or whatever and you can be like oh you know you looked like you needed help or you can be like you mm. look like you had cash yeah and that yeah, is baby. absolutely <laughs> what my corpo v said because as we talked about at the start of this slice oh it is times are tough out there in night city and creds are hard to come by so i will happily take yours for beating the crap out of two dudes in a bar thank you get out of here <laughs> Uh, Wasn't that corporal option? No, no, that was no. that was just a normal option. But it felt mm, okay. it felt right, it felt right for my corpo v, my former corpo v, I should say. Uh, but then we head over to the bar. Pepe offers to to pour us a drink, uh, which Ken does not take. It it's not his signature lemonade. So, uh, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> but we. Where we hang out and he tells us, you know, I'm working a double right now. And we're like, oh, you know, why is that? He's like, I don't want to go home. Been having some some troubles at home uh, with the wife. And so he starts to kind of unload on us and tell us, you know, oh, he's been. Which, by the way, I want to know at this point that he's not wearing a wedding band of any kind, which just immediately struck me. I was like, hmm, I wonder if this is intentional. Like he's he's feeling out of sorts or if they just did not put a wedding band on a character that they later confirmed to be married. My favorite thing about this is during the entire dialogue exchange, there's an option to be like, nah, never mind. And you can just leave him. It just kills the quest. But it's a really funny option that they just gave you like a, this guy's like, oh man, my life's falling apart. Can I talk to you about it? And there's a, you know what, chief? Nah. (laughs) Just leave. We'll we'll, we'll get through the quest, but I do want to circle back to that. We'll we'll circle back. Put a pin in that. One question, though. How does... Do y'all know Pepe? Like, does Corpo V know no. Pepe? Uh, you, you know him kind of, like, through the him funeral. Through heroes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, that's true. Because, like, I would say, like, I... There was no introduction needed, because, like, Pepe's, like, a figurehead in the Street Kid origin story, mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, yeah, me, me and this guy know each other, that's fine. So I would say, okay. Yeah, yeah, you meet, you meet him through heroes, and, like, you get some implied um, relationship between uh, himself and V. Like, you kind of get the idea that, uh, you know, maybe you would have been hanging around the bar obviously because of jackie and all that right, and then you would have known uh pepe in some way but definitely not like an established f- familiarity between when the player enters v you know or at least for when the player mm. is present in v um anyways let's stop talking about the player being in v and <laughs> let's talk about uh this job where he wants us to tail his wife uh and you know, no matter how we feel about this ethically, uh, we're, we're just going to do it because it's the quest that needs to be done for this game. And then we we set off and we're, we're told, you know, hey, there's a woman in a pink jacket that we're looking for. We're going to scan her until we find her. And uh, along the way, Johnny starts popping up and doing some noir narrating that honestly, I could have done with more of in the main story. Like, maybe scrub some of the lines where Johnny's just like, Oh, I hate sex workers. And instead like have him just (laughs) joking and being like, 
a good being bit. a charismatic guy. Yeah. In here, in this in this quest, Johnny is charismatic, and I get why everybody's like, oh my god, Johnny. And like before he mm-hmm. was only charismatic in the way that like a tortured artist pulling the roof down on, on top of their own head is charismatic, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so it was kind of nice to see like a side of Johnny that might appeal to someone that isn't just looking for a burdened rock star, but also like, Oh, he's got like a jovial side to him. He's got like a fun side to him. Mm. I dug this. Uh, he even does like wear on you in a way that I think is very intentional and very good. Um, and it really works because we kind of just follow somebody on the street for like, I don't know, a couple blocks, <laughs> just kind of walking behind them after we have scanned uh, the wife and found her and, and just follow her in there. Uh, and eventually we find her at a river dock. Uh, and so we're like, hey, what's going on here? And the funny part here, and, and this is why I wanted to circle back, is that you now have about 14 different ways at which you can stop this quest. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really weird. Yeah, V can just immediately be like, I know what's going on here. I don't need to see any more of this. And then that's that's just the end. You you did it. Good job. You made an assumption and made ass of you and me. And and you're done. And I even hit one where I, I said something like, you shouldn't talk to me. You should talk to your husband. And that was, I guess, the game assuming that I just wanted off uh mr bones wild ride and and just was like nope never mind you're like okay cool bye i guess you're done with this quest now it it was almost like this is a bashful quest you know like this is a shy quest like it's like do you want to keep playing the quest i'm not sure like please please keep reaffirming that you would like to keep playing this i know i know i'm not as good as sinner man or as like in depth as like river story but like i promise i'm trying but i understand if you don't want to keep going we can get off we can stop we can stop (laughs) right now i promise and and i i bring that up not just just like you know pile on to a thing that is like very nitpicky but i bring it up because it's that kind of like feeling of a lack of confidence in what's being done here that carries through into the quest itself because once you actually get through it you talk to her you're like okay you know what's going on and she's like well i had my entire body modified i used to be a different person i've got secrets all right i've got a i've got a previous life and i don't want to have to bring that into my marriage i enjoyed that like i was living a new life and a new happiness with a new person and so like he doesn't know about that because i don't want him to know about that because i want to live a better life for my children and all that but i've got an unexpected pregnancy on the way and like that's why our kid looks very different like my my genes are different and so like the next kid that comes out will also look very different too and i'm trying to figure out how to deal with that and I was like, okay, cool. That's that's all interesting. That's that's neat. And it's like, go call Pepe. And I was like, oh, okay. So we're just done with the conversation here. Then I guess I'll just I'll go talk to Pepe, and maybe that's like the next step in the quest. And I went outside, and I, I called Pepe, who by the way texted me as he was picking up the phone, which is very funny <laughs> because the game is like very insistent on sending you texts as well as calls now. Um, and and I was like, hey, hey, figured it all out. And he was like. What'd you find, V? And you can either just say, like, nothing and get off the rails there. Or you can be like, uh, y- y- your your wife was meeting up with somebody. And, and then he'll be like, oh, I knew it. And then you're like, but not like you thought. She was keeping secrets because she loved you, dummy. And you can either, like, tell him to just, like, maintain his love or tell him to break it all off. Or just be like, I don't care. I'm leaving. And then 
that's how the quest ends. And it's another just very anticlimactic ending that leaves a ton on the table. I don't think you need to explain everything, but it just feels like this whole quest was a sequence of ideas that was very interesting and very Cute. novel, but then just like trips somewhere and then does the longest Looney Tunes, like stumbling over yourself into a wall that I've ever seen. But like the, the pro- so in, in the game's defense real quick, you do get text messages after from Pepe that are like, Hey, thank you for finding this out for me. Thanks, thanks for talking sense into me. We are, you know, this is my wife. I love her. I can't believe I thought she was going to be deceptive or that she was cheating on me or whatever. And, like, it does leave it on that better note later, but that is, like, just this, you know, it's how the game kind of, like, piecemeals out a lot of shit over time. It's, like, you don't get conclusions until later from half the time when you get a call or a text message as opposed to, like, in the midst of the quest itself. I have kept it together this entire segment, and then you said... This is my wife, and I immediately in my head went, "This is my wife." <laughs> I finally broke. I'm, pr- I'm proud of your ability to stay strong this entire time. Mm-hmm. Truly mm-hmm. inspiring. Truly, the resilience. the resilience of the wife guy quest. To not make a boring. Yeah. I yeah. I just on a wife. Guy I just quest. like part of this quest. I just like the message of this quest, just mm. in general. Yeah. Because. It's weird because like the argue like it's not like uh it's not like some of the other like things like oh she's just like had like she's had a different life like yes that could be a thing but it's like the thing that he seems weirded out about that like I've changed my body I'm like Pepe everyone has changed their body in Night City like I am more surprised I am more concerned if people don't have augmentations in this city Mm. than than have full on augmentations and like I I, I think the idea that like completely changing the way you look like maybe in the early like lore of like this kind of world would be really staggering but like that feels like a normal thing that people just do in this city like there's a whole quest where somebody's got like just like a big silver body like it's not that weird to like i don't think it's that weird to to have somebody like change the way their face looks or their hair looks and then be like well this isn't the real me and like nobody in night city is the real person that's the point of like a lot of this is like everybody is hiding behind kind of their augmentations and their changes and their alterations and like the way the quest frames it, it's like, this is a bad thing. And, like, here I am with my fake legs and my fake arms and my fake lungs and my fake eyes and my fake fucking skin. And I'm like, well, I kind of relate to you in that way. Uh, there's nothing really about a rich corpo mm. rat V that's the same as uh, mercenary V. I mean, so th- you bring up an interesting point. I do think there is, like things worth exploring here the idea of augmentation versus alteration the idea of are you building upon what's there versus effectively changing and and to to the credit of the game like the the husband when when i pointed out like hey you know you know what's your problem here and he's like it's not the it's not changing the appearance it's that she lied to me for all these years i i don't know if i can trust her anymore and so i was like okay you know that's at least like a human thing to yeah. deal with but um, I I think my just broader issue is is kind of circling back to what Ken said is that a lot of this just ends up getting resolved in phone calls and text messages, and it's it's not just that it's impersonal; it's that it feels like a lot of band aid solutions for like getting a story from mm. from A to B, and this feeling that like something was put here 
and there was maybe an idea at some point about what it was to be but at the end of the day it just needed to be a shippable quest and i think that shows in the end product i think that shows in what came out and uh you have so many side quests in this game that have such compelling moments that that understand the narrative arcs they are creating like like dream on is the one that i will keep going back to i know Cinderman is the one that um going into the season we were talking up and hyping up it was absolutely like excellent but i think dream on is the one that i keep coming away from being like wow that was really something else that was really really something else and and something that i hope they look back at moving forward to whatever project orion ends up being but I, with stuff like this, I see like hints and glimmers of like ideas that CD project could be tackling, but it's just kind of a reminder that they don't. And it, it just caps off with Johnny making another quip and V responding in kind. And then you get a text message 24 in game hours later, and that's the cap off. And I think the texts can be better storytelling. Here's something that happened while I was playing these side quests. I we we talked earlier about how I had gotten a message from uh from Judy that her mom uh was going to start calling me. Uh that her mom was going to start grandmother. Sorry, what? Grandmother her parents. Oh, grandmother. Yes, sorry. And I I'll get to why I should remember that in a second. Um but her her grandma wanted to to talk to me and and was going to kind of like interrogate me. Uh, I had that conversation happen in text message in the middle of this quest. And that felt very natural. It was like, Oh, all of a sudden out of the blue, this person I'm romantically involved with their, their, you know, guardian is essentially being like, Hey, what's your deal? (laughs) And I was kind of like (laughs) frantically texting and, and I didn't, I didn't look up a guide or anything like that. I was just like responding in kind. And I was trying to be very like upfront and casual and, um, I thought it was really cool that in this one, uh, like her, her grandmother points out that I'm a former corpo and, and she's like, Judy has messed around with someone like that before, uh, Mako and, and it didn't go well. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, you know, she, she did not leave a good impression on me. And I responded like, yeah, me neither. And, uh, instantly we were just like hitting it off. And then Judy's grandma was like, all right, you're honest. I like that. You can call me abuela. Take care of Judy. And it's like, I was just like, that's, that was so nice. That was so good. That, Mm. that is using this text message format appropriately. It is using it at a good time, not as a supplement for just, you know, here's the go button on whatever quest you want to do next. But like, here's some cool in world storytelling that is happening. And it, it functioned really well. And I just, I see that and it gives me some hope for project Orion and, and what CD project can do in the future with cyberpunk. Now that we know that there is a future in cyberpunk. Um, mm. But it also just makes me look back on some of these quests and be like, wow, the, I think there is interesting territory to explore in, in Raymond Chandler evening and in every breath you take, but it just feels unexplored by the oh. actual quests at the end right. of the day. I really, to go on the text message thing, because I have a similar kind of experience with the text messages uh, with Judy, but I'm uh, a male V, so mine's the, the friendship role. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the way, I wish more of your friends texted you the way the love interests do. Mm. Um, I wish, like, because mm. you make a lot of connections, 
in, in this game and like outside of like the 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 contractors just texting you jobs or um information the ads about, for cars yeah the ads are weird <laughs> the, like the mm-hmm. i appreciate that because it's like the facebook kind of like way of like hand it's yeah, like the very the facebook marketplace the very facebook marketplace <laughs> of cyberpunk and i very much enjoy that they just like like this 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 evil the evil gang boss the ruthless gang boss of the uh valentinos it's like hey you need a new bike or like you need a new car out of nowhere I very much appreciate that, but I think, I feel like this is one of those games that, like, I really hope they expand the text message system, so it's more characters that you're just not, like, romantically interested, just, like, friendships, because, like, I got a message from, like, Judy after, like, I was in a club full of people I just shot, she's like, how you doing? And I'm like, you know, fine, and I'm just, like, sitting on the couch texting her as, like, I'm surrounded by, like, all of these dead people, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, she's like, are you busy? I'm like, nah. Not busy. I'm fine. I'm fine. I was. I'm good now. I find that it's very fun, and I agree with you, Eric. That it's the way the text messages just kind of come in is almost always at like the worst time, or like a weirdly, weirdly like in the middle of a quest time, and I love that. And then like this is like the opposite of that, where like I I hate that the quests are used. Like a lot of the text messages or like phone calls are just like used as bookends uh, to start or end these kind of like really like interesting quests that like kind of build into really curious directions but then they're like well we've ran out of road shoot him a text message and tell him it's all all right and then we'll just kind of like we'll sign off from there and like you don't like you'll hear from them occasionally like if you go the i went also the bad route out of curiosity uh on this for for the podcast and like you know she shoots you an angry text or i think she calls you i don't remember which one and uh you know, you get scolded, and then you just kind of hang up, and then that's the last thing you hear of You don't hear, like, from Pepe being like, oh, man, you're ruined by life. Or, like, mm. you can go to the bar, and Pepe's still there, and he just treats you normally. And, like, I feel that kind oh, of, like... like, like uh, Claire does at Afterlife. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I find that to be just, you know, very weird, that kind of, like, uh, a lot of the connections you make um, don't really kind of like pan out. This feels like a quest that should have been earlier in the story. Like this feels like it should have been an act one quest because yeah, you, yeah. you cause it, it helps you. It helps people like me and you, Eric, or like anyone who goes the nomad route, mm-hmm. uh, get a relationship with Pepe and this connection to like the Valentinos mm-hmm. and this larger like family mm-hmm. that Jackie mm-hmm. was a part of that you are kind of a part of in a way, because you know, you were, you and Mama Wells are really close and you kind of like have this connection with the Valentinos to like a loose degree if you're not a street kid. And if you pick like Corpo or Nomad, you really don't really build on that much Mm-mm. until like Mm-mm. until about this like, around Act 3. And I feel like this is a very good Act 1 quest because you get kind of like a nice quest with Pepe. You kind of get back into that world of like it's a very easy quest to do. You don't really need any skills. It just, I don't know. It feels like a very out of place quest, both mechanically and both narratively for me. Hmm. Hmm. Ken, any closing thoughts on, on the quest that we've discussed today? Uh, not really with the quest, but just like the more that we were talking about the, uh, the sort of disparity in the way that characters text you in mm-hmm. this game and how a lot of, the, a lot of that disparity has become more apparent in the updates that they have added to this game since I'm just, I'm, I know we're did, a lot of people are thinking forward to the next, the next game, the sequel that they're working on. But it's, it makes me more hopeful that maybe they're sorting that shit out also in that one 
that one parentheses one uh, DLC that we're getting because like a lot of that that a lot of the premise of that that they've shown so far has felt fairly distant from a lot of the connections that we have in this game thus far, and I'm hoping that the the clear like sort of uh, improvement that the game has had over that time means that there will be something like for the players that want mm -hmm. that stuff mm -hmm. in the future of just this game specifically, not even just in the next one. Because um, like you know we we talked a lot about that in in the uh, in the carry episode about how those connections felt like you know they were islands that they all lived on individually mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that we visited every now and then and I hope that something I hope that they find ways to kind of like bring more connective tissue to make something like this quest stick out more and just like feel more earned I guess in the in the grand scheme of things because a lot of it does not feel that way if you're not like playing a very specific B at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm interested to tackle more of that. I'm sure we'll talk more about it as we go further into this side quest episode. But as we wrap up, Colin, once again, thank you for coming on. Thank, thank you, you for chatting today. Uh, any any closing thoughts you want to leave us with on Cyberpunk? I think Cyberpunk is a game of like... I don't want to sound cheesy with how I'm about to mm -hmm. phrase this. Because mm -hmm. this can sound really cheesy. But I think it's it's a game of limitless potential in in terms of the world that it's created. Like obviously there's the tabletop, but I think I think there's a lot of issues in terms of like how it kind of like represents specific sects of like the LGBT community or uh, mm. just like the Orientalism of it all. But I think mm. Mm -hmm. I think overall Cyberpunk's world as a whole is a very interesting one and I think it's one that if you can kind of and I don't like saying it like this if you can get past the uncomfortableness that it, it presents on like it's veneer like it's very like outward thing that a lot of people have kind of like talked about there is a lot of really interesting characters and stories and moments to like really enjoy and learn and kind of like think upon and that'll kind of like sit with you and i think as they move forward now that we know there is a future in cyberpunk i'm very curious to see how those get expanded on um and i honestly this is one of those games that like i think would be really good if it didn't take place in night city at every game i'm really hoping the next game's in a different mm. city entirely i mm. think there's something to be said about seeing this world, this enhancement of technology, this effect it has on people, the the corporations, the nomads, the the different kind of world to see it in like other cities. I think it's a very interesting game that can really build upon that in a unique way that a lot of kind of like sci-fi or like or just RPGs in general can't because there's a lot of kind of like freedom uh, in how they explore and discuss and kind of like because we don't really have that many sci-fi rpgs like this and i feel like cyberpunk if, if cd cd project red can you know take the time to not crunch and hopefully not be forced to like push this game out when it's clearly not ready mm. i think this game definitely the sequel can have a lot of potential and i think those who haven't played cyberpunk probably should try it again because it's actually pretty good it's actually pretty good and and that's weird to say uh, given where it was in a year a year ago, but I, I enjoyed it. Uh, even if these quests were kind of like sad Hitman levels. 
<laughs> oh, sad Hitman levels, but still worth a try. That's the note we'll we'll leave on here. Colin, one more time for the folks at home, where can they find you and all the wonderful things you do on the internet? So at the moment you can find me at fanby.com, but the the best place to follow me is on Twitter at beguiledgamer. Um I'm not sure how long I'm gonna end up at Fanbyte, obviously, because you know things happen. Uh, in the media life, but you can find a lot of my writing there. You can find my writing online. It's uh, I'm on Twitter. I post a lot of it there. But you can find me there on social media and such. Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Happy to have you. And for the folks at home, you won't hear anything, but Ken and I will now time skip a little bit ahead to our next segment as we wrap up the Act 3 side quests of Cyberpunk 2077. Stay tuned. This is Kerry Uridine, and you're listening to Norman DFM Cyberpunk 2077 Retrospective. Hello and welcome back to another side quest segment. I almost went for a full intro on that one. <laughs> this is recording these side quests out of order is very strange to me. Uh, but we are back with another side quest segment, of course, Eric and Ken here. And we are joined by Sam Greer. Sam, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing not so bad. I'm ready. I'm ready to cyber these punks. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's been a since we had you on. I think the last one was The Last of Us. Yeah, um, it's been a while. Um, and actually, it's interesting because the only reason I'm here is because of this podcast, because I never would have touched Cyberpunk 27 until um well first of all i saw your screenshots on twitter kenneth and like particularly in the fashion and stuff and i was like oh mm-hmm. and you were you talked loosely about like um gay romance and stuff in it and i was like mm-hmm. huh this piqued my interest and then i started listening to this and i was like huh this sounds interesting in spite of everything so right. yeah then i started streaming it for like a couple of months and just going through the whole game how has that experience been like how do you feel about cyberpunk now um, well, I'll say, I'll say this for it. I went from, I am never touching this to, I might get that DLC, which, <laughs> you know, is not to say that I don't have my criticisms because I have so many criticisms of this mm-hmm. game, but mm-hmm. there is stuff, there is stuff that works in it that really works for me in a way that a lot of, that I haven't found in a lot of AAA stuff. Mm-hmm. And I find that very interesting, but there is just, but it is buried there under a heap of other stuff that doesn't work, mm-hmm. um, right. and it's very interesting. I think I'm glad I played it in a way because I think it is a super fascinating thing, regardless of anything, right. um, regardless of how much I enjoyed it overall. But like, um, yeah, there's it, it's a very odd duck, and it's been interesting seeing some critical reexamination of it. And now having the perspective to go back and revisit a lot of critical stuff that was, you know, when it came out. Um, so that's been really interesting. Well, as part of this critical re-examination, we are here talking about side quests today. And we have two. We have two, well, really more like five, but it's like a side quest and then a side quest chain that we were talking about today. Uh, first off, we're starting with the side quest Violence, which... Honestly, outside of the Act 2 side quests that are, you know, the the well-known ones, the ones that people talk about when they're like, the side quests are good in Cyberpunk, uh, Violence might be one of the more well-known ones just because of who it stars. Because mm-hmm. we head off to a mystery text from an unknown number that hit us up at the Notel Motel. I think I got this right at the start of Act 3, like as I was walking out of 
um, where V wakes up at Act Three, and I got a text like right away that was like, "Hey, come talk to me." Yeah, same. Um, and we we show up at the Notel Motel, and it is Lizzie Wizzy, a pop artist in Night City, who is voiced by Elon Musk, Baby Haver Grimes, <laughs> as Ken puts it in the notes, um, musical artist. And uh, former romantically, I believe former romantically involved as the recording of this podcast, um, Grimes. Uh, what a what a thing. We were talking before the pod started about how Grimes was, you know, not on Keanu levels of getting a celebrity out there to promote this game. But Grimes was somebody that they had out there, I believe, at the Game Awards. They had her performing uh, the song that is in this game from her Uh in some sort of like metaverse multi-visual sort of thing going on. <laughs> it was it was very weird. It was very odd. It was um, funny because I didn't until we sat down for this, I didn't know that was Grimes. There <laughs> was <laughs> this whole quest line oblivious. Which, you yeah. know, testament to that she wasn't so awkward. Because there's there's one other um quest line earlier in the game. It's a very short thing. When I was on stream, um, I you go if you if you've got the nomad background, you go you get to go and pick up your car, mm-hmm. um, you because you've got like an emergency GPS thing installed and it gets and it gets set, so you go and find your car and someone has been repairing it, um, and has unintentionally booted up your little safety thing, and that person I can't even remember who it was, but um, somebody somebody in my chat pointed out that this was a, a someone famous i think it was a streamer or something and um it was one of yes i think that's who it was oh yeah yeah and that that wasn't that was one that did stand out to me but just because the vocal performance was just a little just a little stilted and i was like Mm. huh this doesn't sound like a voice actor voice actor and then but this one i was oblivious spent the whole quest i literally i just had no idea which feels so silly in hindsight but (laughs) but you know at least I got to yeah. enjoy it blind instead of being like, oh my god, this is great yeah, the whole time. The weird thing for me was that, like I, I learned about all of this thing kind of out of order. Cause I think the, the thing that first clued me into Grimes' involvement in this game wasn't even like the performance and stuff they did, but it was actually an article on fanbyte.com RIP where uh, my <laughs> ex coworker Jordan Mallory, yeah, uh, <laughs> was a uh, was writing about this character and how Grimes had I think talked about her backstory on a stream, like, ahead of, like, mm-hmm. when she was supposed mm-hmm. to. And the backstory, like, which is not really talked much about in-game, it's, like, in sort of, um... It's in a shard, like, the, I think, right? Yeah, it's, it's in shard and stuff about, like, how her big, like, crowning artistic moment was when she... Uh, trigger warning for suicide and, and self-harm and all that, and all that stuff. Um, she ended up, like, she committed suicide on stage and was revived in the android body that we see her in in this quest. And so, like, that was... One of the earliest things I remember actually learning about Cyberpunk 2077, and it put like a um, a certain uh, filter on my vision of how this game talks about suicide, which we have talked about a lot with like Evelyn mm. Parker, and mm. like you know there are ads of like suicide imagery uh, throughout Night City as well, and so like it just kind of on that particular topic, you know, like I, I was already coming into the game very cynical about how it talked about and portrayed these things, and it lo and behold, it did not uh, subvert those expectations. But yeah, that was my, like, first sort of experience with this character. So, like, I already was coming into this questline, like, very skeptical and, like, questioning of, like, how they were going to handle this character. And 
I don't know that it really uh, got any better by the end, but it, it does at the very <laughs> least feel. I, I think like you know it is between somewhere in terms of like the spectrum of like how much time it feels like they put into a certain quest in this game. Like between it, it exists somewhere between Center Man and like every breath you take that we did uh, in the other section with Colin. Yeah, it's. It's interesting because, number one, yeah, there is a ton of lore for this character that either exists in shards or was talked about by Grimes on a stream and stuff like that. There was a bunch of promotional art. If you ever saw in the um, trailers and stuff, the character who has, like, their jaw detached and is, like, Mm. messing with their, you know, robotics underneath, that is supposed to be Lizzie Wizzy, I believe, because she Mm. does, like, canonically have a detachable jaw that she can swap out. Um, but then all of that is really not played into this, but I will say before we get into the quest proper, it is interesting that this, you know, quote unquote stunt casting, this, this actor casting is largely pretty unrecognizable, which is in- interesting to me. Like the, the Alana Pierce quest, quest that you mentioned, um, that, that looks like Alana Pierce. Like if you, if you know what Alana Pierce yeah. looks like, you, you kind of know that that looks like Alana Pierce. Same with obviously Keanu Reeves. That looks like Keanu Reeves. But um, Lizzie Wizzy kind of has a grimesiness, but is largely an individualized character. And I think that's somewhat interesting uh, in, in cyberpunk to pull that sort of thing. I don't know if that was a choice they made because people may not necessarily recognize what Grimes looks like, or if there was a decision mm. to make a character and then just have them be voiced, but not have them be like a lookalike in a way. It's an, it's an odd choice, I think though, because I guess like, I, cause the, the Keanu Reeves was the, was a, uh, his performance in this game and his role in it. was something I came around on from being very cynical about to mm-hmm. actually thinking it kind of worked for the game in terms of, him being, you know, every, he's talked up in the game as like, oh, it's Johnny Silverhand. And so a big name performer in that role has an effect. And I think also him turning out to be a dickhead just has mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a bit of subversion because he's Keanu Reeves, he's a very likable actor. And then he plays this just kind of thoroughly, for the most part, thoroughly unlikable, you know, fictitious character. So it felt like they used that, but this is a character who, this was like sort of the weird, like, warped mirror to that, where you have a similar setup, you have a character who in the game world is very well regarded, very well known, but, and they've cast a celebrity, real life celebrity in that role, but they don't play on any of that, and prior to this quest, I don't know if I consciously had thought about Lizzie Wizzy in this world or like gone oh you know I don't recall anyone going oh they're my favorite artist or it feels like some of the the groundwork that might have gone into Mm. this quest didn't set it up so that you were like oh my god you know because they they set it up like oh who's contacted you who is it and then you show up and it's like oh it's Lizzie Wizzy and I'm just like I don't know who you are right (laughs) like this who is this yeah we we talked about this on the the carry episode, which as of this recording is not gone up yet. But um, it, we we talked about how sort of like music and musicians are conceptually important to Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, but not really in practice. Like there's not a lot of time spent. You know, I mean, like Samurai and Johnny and Carrie like have more spotlight than others. But like when we got to the, the, the stuff with like the us cracks, like we've seen them on billboards. We didn't know. Not many people really talked about them. We never really saw mm-hmm. a lot of the consumption of music and context in this world 
even though it is hypothetically important and foundational to the story. And Lizzie Wizzy just feels like another example of that in that, like, you know, it, it's, when you get to this, it's supposed to be kind of like this reveal, like, oh, this character that you hypothetically know and have heard about is coming to V with some shady business. And you're just like, okay. Sure. I, I'll, I'm here to collect a check, sure. And it's, um... And it's funny with the, because I was recently made aware, so um, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, um, I was made aware, I didn't realize while I was watching it, but most of, the vast majority of the music of that is lifted from the game. Right. It plays on radios and stuff. And and I just thought about how wild that is. The, all this music that left a really strong impression when I was watching Edge mm-hmm. Runners, like I took note of all that music is used very pointedly in that show. But yeah, when I was playing the game, I feel like... I mean, I remember the score, but the, mm-hmm. the the songs in the game world largely just washed over me. I don't remember mm-hmm. any of them. And it's the same music. And yet, the yep. way Cyberpunk, the game, utilizes it is very ineffectual. It's just, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. seems a waste given, yeah, like, right. m- musicians and stuff become a, a, a important characters in V's story. They're not just, it isn't just background. So it feels like even on just in terms of just planting the music in your head, so you go, oh, that's so and so. I like that song when it plays on the radio. That's the one I keep stopping for. There's like nothing like that, and it just right. yeah, it's weird. And, and it's the same music. It's great music, but it's and they got and they must have spent a fortune mm-hmm. getting it all made for this game, and then yeah, and it's just like and now it's just on the radio, and yep. you probably hear it once or twice without thinking because you won't even spend that much time in your car. So it's just right. like. It's, it's bizarrely wasteful, which I guess goes for a lot of Cyberpunk's approach to a lot of things generally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, anyways, we meet up with Lizzie Wizzy and and talk with her and uh, find out that she's concerned that her boyfriend, who we learn is also her manager, Liam, is is cheating on her. Hushed meetings, uh, like like leaving in the middle of the night, talking on the phone, um, disappearing at random points. And uh, Lizzie Wizzy wants us to look into it uh, to, to find out what's going on. He usually hangs out at the Club Riot, which is where we uh, did all the us crack stuff with Carrie earlier. So we can head over to the club, and if you are like Ken and have that street kid cred, uh, you can uh, just instantly get the info you need from the bouncer, because you, you got the rep, you, you know mm-hmm. people. Uh, if you are like me, you have to roll around that nightclub asking everybody to tell you information, <laughs> which they will not give you, and then finally, as Ken puts in his notes, admit defeat and pay the bartender money <laughs> to get the info <laughs> you need. I think um, I just paid him straight up. I was just like, you know what? You look like you work in the shithole. Long hours. Here, just take the money. Just It's, <laughs> it's also like, it's 2k, which is not a ton of money at this point in the game. Like, I checked how much I had in my balance, and it was like 40k or something. So I was like, yeah, I can, I can, this is fine. This is, this is little money in, in this grand scheme of things. Uh, the real lesson here is it does not pay to be a corpo. No, it's just <laughs> that the, the corpo doesn't care. You know, for, for you, so what, the dialogue option is the frivolous thing. For me, it's like, oh, money? <laughs> I have tons of uh, it, so, don't worry. <laughs> Sam, what kind of V are you playing? Like, what was your origin story? So I was nomad. Um... Mm. Which, having finished the game, I I think I I I picked the option that I think is the strongest in terms of how it intersects oh. with a lot of stuff. Um, I really, 
I feel I feel like there's a really pronounced. I don't I don't want to talk ending because I know you still get around to that. But I feel like there's a depending on how you play it all out and how you start. I feel like the Nomad one ended up being really strong in terms of there's just a clear arc for this character mm. and where they end up, and my V just kind of feels like the outsider that I think I as a player felt like mm. coming into this world. Um, and also I think like they sort of have this interesting dynamic of they're both they're closer to me and they have no like wide-eyed illusion about Night City most of the game. They're very quickly mm. as the nomads you start getting dialogue options of everything's terrible here and all these cars are terrible and the, the food's terrible and um, mm. and just being aware that there's a world outside of it but equally you know like you come to Night City for a reason because there's not you know a whole lot else out there and stuff and you've lost your family etc but i just it just felt like there's this real nice arc and stuff um but and i have since i finished went and checked out the other beginnings because i was really curious like um how different they were um and yeah it's really interesting it's really interesting as well because they obviously change your relationship with jackie quite a bit as well which it's weird that, like, in the Nomad ending, Jackie's just some dude that you met, like, a few weeks ago. But in, like, the Street Kid ending, Jackie's, like, your BFF. And it's just, like... But ultimately, the, the role they play is the same. And I find that I find that interesting, like, all those little changes. But, yeah. But being a Nomad is, for the most part, other than when you meet other Nomads, there is just a lot of, like, you could you can tell someone that their car looks that runs terribly, or you can tell them that this bit of mechanism is good or bad and that's about it mm. yeah we, we've been talking like throughout the season because like i'm playing street kid eric's playing corpo like it it has felt like nomad is the one that feels the most distance from the actual like a plot of what starpoint 277 is and eric is even talking about like he played nomad his first time he played and like it's yeah, been kind of like yeah. a night and day difference in terms of how much utility the corpo mm. dialogue options can have comparatively speaking um yeah it's it's oh yeah go ahead I, I was just gonna say it's it's weird that I, I think I understand why the difference exists, and it's largely because of what Sam was just talking about in terms of Nomad is an outsider, and so the second you leave the city or you're talking about things that aren't related to the city, like the Nomad options start popping up and they feel a little bit more realized. But the Corpo stuff for me has maybe been more rewarding, and maybe that's because I actually do like the the politics and the intrigue of Night City, and so maybe it is a case of, like, what interests you, this will feed you best, but, um... Yeah, I think, I, it's, I think as a nomad, I think there was a nice synergy for me, where mm-hmm. I, I'm almost in the sense that I went into this game very cynical, and obviously as a mm-hmm. nomad, you're kind of mm-hmm. cynical about Night City itself, and you sort of get trapped there by circumstance, and you're sort of right. trying to make the most of it. And I don't know, that that felt... I don't know, like, that... You know, I, I moved to, to London, and I've been here for, like, four years, and I, I'm still in London. And so, like, the, 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 the notion of going from, like, small country person to living in m- massive metropolis, being very poor, um, I was like, I think this very relatable. Um, mm-hmm. And, I yeah, it was definitely... Sad. But in terms of utility, the Nomad is probably... I, it's weird. I think, like, thematically, there's a rough richness there. And as a character, it felt very appropriate to play as them. But in terms of utility, a, like I say, a lot of their stuff is just down to... You can... It's mostly down to, like, cars and stuff. It's this, like, mm-hmm. you know, grease and oil stuff where, like, oh, you'll know if, if you know, like... 
if, if you, you can fix a car up and stuff but like in terms of engaging with people you have like until you get to the nomad stuff later with um with pan am like you have nothing like you're just right. if, if you're just you, you can say nomad stuff like you can because you can use it you can use as an outsider to there's some dialogue options where you're like oh i didn't grow up in night city i don't know what that is um so you can play the role of outsider but it's not there's not a lot of utility in terms of you don't get any little like side steps or anything or any insights a lot of it is just being clueless which i guess like i say depending <laughs> on what you want to bring to the game what you're going for for me it was it felt very appropriate Mm. Right. Um, back at the club, after we've chosen our option of choice, uh, we find out that our our target Liam is in the VIP area, and instead of going to the VIP area, which can you go to the VIP area? I don't think you can. Yeah, you can, and you it'll have... it'll tip them off. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I did not. Yeah. I did not find like any route to that area, and I felt like I was looking forward to. Um, but you can it take the like elevator. The... Yeah, yeah. Once you take the elevator up where the computer is, it's like the door to the right of it. If you just go in there, oh, you can okay. walk in on the conversation, and you'll get like he'll either stop talking completely if you stick around too long, but also like you can just get like partial information, and maybe mm. tell Lizzie the wrong information. So like, there's, no. like there are a few branching paths here, but like the the overall solution is like pretty readily handed to you and like put in front of you. So that is interesting. It, it is interesting. I also felt like this was a, a point where cyberpunk was showing some of its issues with like how thought out some of the ways it was going to handle its side quests were because you you go, you access the, the, the computer and it's like use the cameras to surveil him. And I was like, oh, cool. This is something that we haven't really done a lot of, even though this is like a mechanic they have in this game. That's really neat. And while you do that, you you learn that Liam's talking to an Arasaka Corpo about making an engram of of Lizzie. Like they specifically cite you know relic and and uh, secure your soul and all that. And Liam's saying that oh, would I be able to make changes to this engram because Lizzie hasn't been the same uh, since her conversion. Like since you know all the stuff that the game explicitly does not mention uh, outside of shards or anything. Uh, but has not told you in this quest line before, but basically, like, since she went full chrome, uh, she hasn't been the same. And uh, it's it's cool to use the cameras to kind of drop in like that. And you know, after Johnny shows up, and Johnny obviously, like, hates this, <laughs> wonder why. <laughs> and um, he's, he's, like, furious about this. Um, but he points out, like, where there's a camera, there's a there's cam footage, there's a hard drive. And then you just kind of re-access the computer, and V's like, I'm stealing the data off this. And I thought that was very weird. I thought it was strange that there wasn't an additional step of like trying to locate the hard drives or anything like that. You just plug in and get the data. Excuse I, me, you I, don't plug in, you jack in. You jack please. in, sorry. <laughs> but, but that's been one of the things, again, that I've been harping about with Cyberpunk, and I'll harp about again, which is that a lot of the technological stuff you do in this game kind of feels hand-waved away in the way that magic does in a fantasy mm. RPG, where it's like, it happens because magic. And this just kind of feels like it happens because cyberpunk magic. And 
Uh, I would have liked to have seen some level of maybe you have to find the files somewhere or you have to locate the hard drive using context clues or like where the wires are running or anything or maybe you even just have to do a hacking mini game but instead like apparently anyone can just walk down to this place in in next to the VIP area and offload the hard drive files by just jacking in so it, it's, it's um it's, it's one of those the the bigger the large problems of cyberpunk is that a lot of the time it wants to pretend it's an immersive sim like almost like a deus mm, ex like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and yeah. v- it very 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 occasionally is it actually able to fulfill that for the most part right. it is so rudimentary and basic um and it's weird because as you said all the mechanics are there like it's not it's really a question of design and stuff more mm-hmm. than it is like you've got all this way to interface with technology you've got cameras you've got holograms you're able to do brain death. there's all this stuff layers and layers of stuff that you could use and manipulate but the game just never really finds a way to make the most of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's really strange we we get the footage and and we can have a talk with lizzie and either choose to uh lie to her which just kind of ends the quest as we were talking about in the last side quest episode uh, that we did with Colin. Uh, Cyberpunk loves to just have ways in which you can opt to just get off the train at multiple points and say like, you know what? I'm done with this side quest. I would like to stop <laughs> playing this side quest now. Uh, it feels a little, little odd. Um, or you can tell Lizzie the whole truth and Lizzie gets very upset and hangs up and that's the end until uh she calls back later uh, and is you know like hey i need you i need your help again same spot come here uh and once you show up liam's dead on the floor (laughs) liam has uh who can say what transpired in this room with lizzie standing over liam's dead body uh who who could possibly say um so she uh you know she kind of is like oh you know there's an accidental death i didn't know the strength of my own arms and it's like it you see that he has been strangled and uh like his spine is broken and stuff like it is it is brutal and uh she's you know we're like okay what what do you want to do like what's the plan here what's your thing and she's like oh you know maybe this this would be a good story for the media this hmm this could be a narrative. Oh, this could make my music more interesting. We gave and, her material. Yeah, yeah. And so we're just like, okay, well, what do you want to do with the body? And she's like, I don't know, do whatever. But, but like, she thanks Liam as, like, you've given me something beautiful and, and just, like, leaves. And so, um, yeah, that's, um, that's Liam. <laughs> and we, we can take care of the body. And then we get a message later on from, Lizzie, that's like, hey, I've I've been working on my music. It's it's sounding real real great. Thank you for all your help, V. And it's like, that's the end of the quest line. Um, there, you, I mean, there was a great moment. Maybe the highlight of the whole quest, which was when it was like, right, I'll get rid of his body, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not, I, I can't judge, you know, anyone murdering in this world. <laughs> I'm V. I've I've killed more people than you know. It's fine. And I'm, but as I'm hauling this body to the the garbage ship, I got lost, and I'm just 
wandering around this lobby and these these hallways just a body over my shoulder and there's just people there's just npcs standing smoking and stuff and they're just like it's another friday night huh and just like no comments no nothing yep, and it was just yep. like oh this is cyberpunk in a nutshell <laughs> just like, it's another it's night great. at the Notel motel um it is the Notel motel you know they they have a reputation to uphold that but... was an interesting thing as well actually i i think i don't know if any other quest brings you back there but that is where you uh, get shot in the face right yes so right. that's where you meet dex and i think it is also the place where you can have the hookup with the corpo yeah, from yeah, the yeah. beginning of the game oh i didn't i did not do that so i did that in my first playthrough i am not proud of it <laughs> there was but, um, there was but, like but that's the thing it was like i came back to this location and i was just like this is like this is basically where v died essentially uh-huh. and yet th- there's no acknowledgement of it or anything and i was like mm. that's weird i know it's maybe a bit much to ask of a game that's already done this much but it's also like it's weird that you bring me back here this location of quite significance and it's just it's nothing mm-hmm. there's no moment where v is like right because if I went back to the place where I got shot in the head, I might be like, oh, I don't know about this. Even just a right. comment, just a tiny yeah. little thing or anything. But there's, like, no acknowledgement of it. And I just thought that was weird. A relic malfunction that, like, had something going yeah. on. Or even Johnny making a comment about it. Like, I don't know. There, part of me, I, I was thinking about this as we were going through these quests. Uh, I was curious if there was ever a consideration of having Johnny speak to you without having Johnny appear like, are, are there any cases in Cyberpunk where Johnny talks to you, mm. but Johnny is not visible on screen as Keanu Reeves? Because I honestly think in some cases, it, it, like in the Notel Motel, if they just had some VO lines there and maybe they didn't have to mocap it or anything like that, could have been interesting, could have been useful, but um, I wonder if there was like a mandate to, like, no, when Johnny. When Johnny talks, Johnny's on screen. Johnny has to be present. When Johnny is not present, the player should be wondering, what is Johnny doing? <laughs> I think there have been some scenes that he was not invisible in. Um, like, I'm thinking about, like, the uh, uh, the Raymond Chandler evening one. Uh, like, a lot of that mm. time when you're walking through the streets, like, he's just narrating. But not always on screen at all times. Hmm. Mm. It's definitely it's definitely a waste, I think, just to know. Because I was just think I can I can, I can imagine the conversation where he's like, you know, oh, v, you showed up at a place like this and you didn't expect to get shot in the head. You're an idiot, <laughs> you know. Like I can just exceed the conversation, but they don't do it, and it's just right. it's mm-hmm. right there. The moment is right there, and it's just yeah, just a weird little missed opportunity in the game. So how yeah. do we feel about violence as as a quest? Because for me, I think we we kind of covered it well in the quest, but it just feels. Like a lot of Act Three side quests, very disjointed, and and like there's there's like a nugget of something here. I I think I like the mechanics of the quest more than the actual theme of the quest because I think when you get down to it, the the story content of the quest doesn't do much for me. Um, it's it feels like oh, isn't this messed up? This chromed out musician like murdered her manager and is going to use it for new song material isn't lizzie Wizzy so edgy and stuff like that mm-hmm. and i'm just like that yeah. doesn't do much for me compared to the i thought the us crack stuff was actually at least kind of more interesting than than this but i'm interested think, in what y'all think i think the the thing with it for me is like with a lot of the the you're you're right as well like the act three side quest that i did i always felt like 
it, it had it has the per, per really profound feeling of oh this is when the money started to run out this is yes. really when it was yes. like damn we still got to do a whole act three oh um it's also even weird to me that the the game has acts because they don't feel very well defined either so it's, the right. notion that it even has them is sort of strange to me um but yeah like i feel like with a lot of cyberpunk stuff and particularly in the side quest they, they touch on really interesting stuff you know it's it's this big heady sci-fi world full of like you know this transhumanist themes and pretty much everything you do and so the idea of like this quest is like i don't know I, a lot of the time whenever there were shortcomings in the quest in this game i would often be asking what would, what would the witcher do with something like this because the mm-hmm. witcher was really mm-hmm. good the witcher mm-hmm. 3 was really good at like even the smallest quests would have them a, a little subversion. Like, there's one little quest in The Witcher 3 where they send you... This guy is missing his horse. Mm-hmm. And you go off and you find the horse has been nicked by, you know, elven rebels. And they need it for transporting the wounded. And they're like... And you can negotiate and you can get the horse back. And they open up a pen and you go and get his horse. And I rode it all the way back. And, and he was like, oh my god, that's not my horse. And I was like, wait, what? He's like, that's not my horse. That's a well better horse. And I was like... Did I have a choice and I didn't realize it? And so I replayed the quest. And yeah, when you go into the pen, you actually have to remember what his horse looks like. like <laughs> and then you bring his horse, I bring his right horse back and he's like, oh, my old horse, blah, 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 blah. And it's this little like skinny looking horse. And, um, and I was just thinking, that's a like a quest that probably takes about 12 minutes tops to complete from beginning to end. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's tucked away in the middle of nowhere. Most people probably haven't even seen it. And I just thought that even that has a punchline. There is something to this. There's a there's mm-hmm. a small little bit of design and humor and character. Um, whereas this feels like I was waiting on the like, like so at the end they set the the, the setup is this guy isn't cheating on her. He mm-hmm. is planning to create an AI version of her. They're gonna they're gonna like commodify her whole thing right, into a right. virtual version. And like, try oh, to tweak her in the process, like yeah. quote unquote fix her. Um, and so there's a so there's a whole thing. So you're, you're saying about the me of authenticity versus, you know, um, you know, like virtual and like, um, you know, mm. like persona mm-hmm. and stuff. Like you've got right, that stuff right. there, okay. And then I'm like, so what's the follow through? What would be the fo- what's the follow through exploration of this? Like, especially when you're dealing with a character who has already like replaced their whole body what's authentic to them is kind of an interesting discussion i guess and mm. then there's just no follow-through so when she kills right. him which is a fairly human response i think to finding out someone was going to kill you and create a virtual version right. of you mm-hmm. but i was like where's the twist where's the little subversion where like because i was like oh are we gonna upload him into the thing like, and he's going to have to deal with that circumstance. And then you're going to see her, like, face the same question of, like, you know, or do I, you know, I was just waiting on something that right. made use of the setup, but it's so disconnected. If mm-hmm. you'd shown mm-hmm. up at the initial start of the quest, you'd just shown up to find out she'd killed her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. That was the start of the quest. It would make no difference. Right. Like, other right. than right. Y- at this point, you pretty much are like, yeah, well, fuck him. He was dick. That's about it. That's all the quest accomplishes yep. is you don't really like this guy. And that's it. There's well, so no, they, there's no twist. There's no follow through. Right. Nothing. Look, so like they, they, I think something that they, they try to like allude to is that she, like, I mean, she likes what's happening to her. She likes that she's becoming like more disconnected from human her humanity, as she has, you know, become this android instead. And as V, you have like a lot of opportunity to be like, hey, I think you might need to see like 
seek help? Like, is there somebody else that you trust? Because, like, clearly you don't trust this fucking guy. But, like, is there, like, somebody that you need to talk to that you can see that can kind of, like, check you out and make sure that you're all right? And she's just like, no, I like this. I like to be this sociopath that I've become, that I have, you know, I, I, I use this person in the same way that he was going to use me. Like, I, he wanted to commodify me. I'm commodifying him for, you know, for press attention, for material, for my music, for my... This, this story that I am, like, kind of making for myself in the midst of having this career. And, again, like, th those are interesting sort of, like, themes to be touching on in the midst of a, a cyberpunk setting. But that's all, the it's, it's just, like, a thought experiment more than it is anything that actually becomes a tangible thing that the player engages with. Like, you watch this thing unfold, the game is like, wow, that's kind of fucked up, and then tells you to go on your way. And mm -hmm. that has been, you know, the the biggest issue with, like, a lot of these uh, act three quest is that a lot of it doesn't really feel interested in talking about the things that it's about in the same way that like center man was where it like really made you sit with things and engage with them and like speak your feelings on them into the game and here lizzie just goes off to go be fucked up somewhere else and that's really all right. the game has to say on it it's... and it's really weird as well sorry because like this questline parallels with V's. Like, you, V and mm -hmm. um, Johnny have mm -hmm. literally experienced this idea of, like, mm -hmm. being reduced down to, like, an engram and stuff. It feels like there's there's so much there to, like, start tapping into and get into conversations about, and they never right. do. Very surprising. There's a lot of meat on that bone, and they stop with one bite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A nibble. Mm-hmm. I think the interesting thing that I want to jump back to that, that you mentioned, Sam, is, is The Witcher. And, like, CD Projekt has done incredible side quests in The Witcher. Uh, and the benefit that The Witcher has is that uh, you play that all in one sequence, right? You are given the quest, you go to the, the elves, the rebels, you talk to them, you negotiate with them, you pick the horse out, you bring the horse back, it's all done. It's all one package. Yeah. Violence is one side quest but really more like two side quests that's disjointed by a mm. phone call and yes this is eric's way of once again saying the phone is one of the worst parts of cyberpunk 2077 it is something that the the designers the developers continually fall back on as a way to keep side quest stuff moving and like to deliver side quest information and here i think it's what if this was one continue like if they could not break this up if they could not say okay well v will do this quest and then disappear back out into night city for a while and then when the next part of the quest feels right to send to v we'll just call v and bring v back into the quest what if you didn't have that break in the story it's, I think I think you're totally right about this as an as a I mean I don't think it's the only issue because I think there's like no, it's no, like no, no, you know no. all all the problems all the way down but there definitely is a an issue with the the quest design format of the game I will however say I actually th I don't think they always use it well but I do think the phone is one of the better things about this game um, because I there was a lot of times I'd be on a quest and you get a phone call while I'm in the middle of another quest. I was doing the river quests and mm -hmm. I'm sitting in the front of their truck and he gets out. He's like, oh, we're going to go around this market. And then I was like, oh, hold on. I've got a phone call. And I'm mm -hmm. just like, this is really like engaging and like makes, yeah, it feels like the world is, you know, because they have to present that illusion in some way where right. yeah, things are going on when I'm not around. I don't think they always use it well because I think as you're right, where sometimes you take a break from things and sometimes that 
kind of works because I think about like some of the romance plot lines space away where mm-hmm. like with Judy where it feels like oh yeah she gets time to process stuff and come mm-hmm. back and that feels kind of natural and organic but other times yeah you have a break here where it's like it feels like there should have been more immediacy to what was going on instead yeah. of it just feeling like too disjointed not very well thought out quests um the there were throughout this quest and the next quest that we're going to talk about i was texting with judy the whole time because we i I was closing off that that part where um her grandmother had gotten in in contact Mm -hmm. with me and wanted to talk about our relationship and all that and then judy like sent me just a really like gushy text mess message in the middle of of nowhere and it had this real um like it when you get that text message, it's like, hey, V, I need to tell you something. We need to talk about something. Like, you do feel that moment where you're like, wait, did I do something wrong? Did I, like, did I, like, hit a trigger somewhere? Have I, like, messed up? I was actually thinking, because I had just been texting with Blue Moon from Us Cracks, and I had I had sent some flirty texts to Blue Moon from Us Cracks, because I'm going to be dead in, like, two weeks in this game. So, like, <laughs> I'm going to flirt with a pop star if I get the chance. And so I'm getting these messages from is like hey v we need to talk about something i'm like does she know (laughs) and did i do something wrong and then she's like i just think you're great and i'm so glad we met and and i've never been happier i was like oh oh thank god (laughs) and i was like that's an effective use of the text message system that is them and granted a lot of that stuff i think we've talked about has been added post-launch has been a a later update a lot of the relationship texting especially has been post-launch i did not know that that actually that's interesting and actually contextualizes some of the response we saw at launch around the mm-hmm. phone and stuff. I was like, ah, right. So it wasn't always as well thought out as this. Okay. Right. No, and launch launch phone was a mess of a thing. I still vividly remember being in the middle of that, like the heist with Jackie and all that and getting a phone call from a fixer because we passed through their district. And so I'm like fighting Arasaka drones while Jackie's like bleeding out in the car and some dude's calling me like, hey V, noticed you were in the neighborhood. You ever want to pick up a job? You come talk to me. <laughs> Bongo bingo. <laughs> and, like, and so I was like, great man, thanks. Now's not the time though. <laughs> it, w- it would be great if they had thought about it well enough that they could have that moment where you, yeah. and you get dialogue choices like, my friend is dying. Leave me alone. There's, but there's like nothing. That's great. Uh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's the the thing. Like as we're talking about it now, talking through it, like it does feel like the randomness of it kind of like works in its favor. But a lot of it is through kind of happenstance. Like I, I think the randomness, like you open yourself up to having moments like that where it feels like very natural to be like, getting the you know, these phone calls or these texts in the middle of other things. But then it does get stuff like what you're talking, about, Eric. We're like you're in the middle of something like with like dire stakes are happening at this very moment. And then you're getting this fucking phone call about, or this text about a car. And I don't, like, I don't like, and you know, this, the sequel that they're working on, like, I wonder what, how they're going to handle that because I do feel like, yeah, it does open itself up to some interesting, genuine moments, but also kind of feels like it feels like a crush that the game leans on in such a way that it does. It's becoming a nuisance in some of those instances. And, I don't. I don't know what the solution is to that, other than being more like tailored with when those things show up and like at what points they can and cannot call you or text you. Ken, I've got a solution. What if I told you mm. I thought of a solution already, and it's in the mm. game. It is already mm. in the game. Uh, have you ever tried to use the local net in this video game? Have you tried to access the internet at all? 
I, I've done it when the game told me to do it, and then every other time I was like, this is too clunky. I need yeah. to go away. We did it for the the river quest. That's like part of it is you go to a website on, on the, the river quest line, but mm. they have a back end for opening computers and going to web pages and stuff like that. And I don't understand why instead of just making a Craigslist for cars, essentially, in this game, <laughs> they were like, what if we just text you every time a fixer wants to get rid of some car they don't want anymore <laughs> and fills your inbox with texts you don't want to read? And yeah, that'd be a way to do it. That'd There you go. That's that's free. I mean, CD there's Project a yeah, there, there's a lot of frivolous <laughs> stuff that ends up being text messages, which is the pro- that's the problem stuff versus like, you know, heartfelt texts from your romance mm-hmm, kind of NPC mm-hmm. or whatever. Like that stuff feels more considered. And yeah, but the the problem child is all, hey, I'm I'm Bo- I'm Bobby Big Nuts, and I want you to come and <laughs> kill this guy for me. And it's like I don't know who you are. How did you get my number? Who keeps <laughs> handing out my number? I'm supposed to be one of the most wanted people in this city. What's happening? But yeah, I'm Bobby Big Nuts, come on down. <laughs> I got cars for sale and people that need hits. Let's let's talk. <laughs> That's um, my business: assassination and car sales. Assassination and car salesman. Um, speaking of someone who doesn't participate in either one, let's talk about the Zen Master in uh in Imagine and all the following quests here. Um, Imagine is, I think, one of the places where a disjointed quest feels right. It like works mm. okay um, because you are, I think, supposed to kind of stumble upon this guy as you walk around. Um, I do like it because doing this side quest actually forced me to go to some parts of Night City that I haven't really explored yet, like that mm. big um, city center area uh, that it, that has all the the foliage and stuff. And I was like, oh, this kind of reminds me of the lab section of Resident Evil Two. This is nice. <laughs> this is yeah, like weird. It is- that is one of the nicer parts of this quest because through this I also visited the I can't remember what it's called but the the mausoleum. Um, yes. Because yeah. I, I didn't know that existed where there's just like yeah people update like these little like gravestones of NPCs and stuff that died and mm-hmm. I thought and it's not in a quest or anything at least not that I experienced and I was like huh this this is just a cool thing about the world so yeah this was a nice quest for making me poke around bits of the worlds that mm-hmm, i mm-hmm. otherwise probably would have missed yeah it's um it's kind of nice and this, this first one i mean we're gonna go quickly through these because this is a pretty straightforward set of quests we stumble upon the zen master um he he gives us some some teachings some encouragement of some sort and then gives us a brain dance and each brain dance is kind of related to a different elements um the first one is earth and then I think it's earth, water, fire, air is the yep. order. It, it's it's yeah, the avatar so. elements. It's the avatar elements. <laughs> and, um, each one is kind of this meditation that you can either pay him for or or, or take freely. Um, I paid him for each one of them. Uh, yeah. That felt very corpo to me. Uh, Ken, I don't know if you took the freebie or not, if that changes anything. Uh, I think I paid him two out of four times. Okay. Like the, I, the first time I, I, I don't think I did. I paid him every time because I'm just like this. This guy's giving. He's he's providing a service. And mm, it's tough mm. out there in the world. This guy probably needs mm. a few meals. I'm gonna mm-hmm. pay it. That which is my approach to most things in this game. Where I was like, mm-hmm. if they're doing something for me, I'm gonna pay them. Everyone needs money. The, the first time I was like, I don't know what 
what you're about. I don't know what you're doing. I'm not, I'm not going to pay you before I see what this is about. And then the, at the point at which I would have had to pay him, he was gone. So, uh, yeah, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to see what you're about first. Cause that's there, sad, there are like a, a few, there are a few things in this uh, game that, uh, gives you like options to be skeptical of a person that is offering you something. Mm -hmm. And, um, they, they can go down in a less, uh, uh, what's the kind of way to put this about V? Uh, that makes V look like an absolute fucking moron if you can if uh, you keep following down that path. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I was just kind of like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be skeptical before I just hand over some money to this guy. Um. Anyways, we we meditate at each one of these, um, and I I think we can jump through them pretty quick. There, you know, one is about Earth and being one with nature and absorbing joy from the Earth. The water one is about how it's the center point of all life. Flesh comes from water. Blood comes from water. Um, the the sun, the fire, the campfire is all about the center point of energy and, and light. And then the last one uh, is honestly, I think, probably one of my favorite framed ones because you're like right on the outskirts of Night City. You're looking out over mm -hmm. the solar farms. It looks very uh, nice. And at this point, you know, with each successive brain dance, V is, is kind of you know, you can either jump off the boat as, as cyberpunk loves to give you the option to do. You can just say, no, I'm done with this and then stop the quest chain or you can, uh, keep going. And V kind of like opens up more and more gradually to this idea of meditation and spirituality and, um, finding the inner self, uh, in all this. And every time you, you do the brain dance, uh, the Zen master disappears after every one of them, because, yeah, that's the thing to do. I love uh, the, I love that it's supposed to be this mysterious, like, oh, where's he gone? But you but you're in there for ages, so you just know that what's actually happening is he's literally just run away. Like, he's just like he's just off. Yeah, like just like yeah, put this on the and then just like, runs. patter of feet in the background as you're brain dancing. That would be so good. Um Yeah, the final one we have is we meet the Zen Master on the outskirts of the Night City. Um he'll answer only one question. Um, which, uh, can you ask who he is? Wait, which one did you ask him? I believe I asked him, uh, if he knows what's happening to V. Oh, what was the, what response did you get? Uh, he actually had a pretty interesting response. Uh, like he says, I know you're dying and that you have two souls in you. One that wants to fight and the other that's afraid. And my initial reading of that was like, oh man, he's talking about, he's talking about Johnny wants to fight and V's afraid. And that felt like it kind of leaned into the stuff that happened back in clouds where I was talking all about how kind of afraid of dying because he's afraid no one's going to no one's going to remember him. And then he actually had the, I think V says, um, which one is me? And then he says both. And I was like, Oh, he fucking got me. Very good. Yeah. Mine was, I, I asked what he's teaching me and, and he's like, I know that you have a choice that is coming and I want you to be ready for that choice. Um, which is kind of the same thing that, as we'll talk about later, Misty tells you if you go to talk to her about the tarot um, paintings mm -hmm. that you can find around Night City. Uh, she also says something about like, oh, you are like going to face a choice at some point, And I think the city is trying to tell you something about what that choice will be. Um, but after our last meditation... Um, we we come to and Johnny's hanging out and Johnny is just like oh what what are we doing man what what's going on out here and we're like hey did you see that Zen Master and he's like no what are you talking about V I didn't see anything go talk to Misty 
uh, if, if you want to talk about that spiritual stuff. And that's when we go and talk to Misty and we say like, hey, um, if you heard anything about a wandering Zen master in Night City and she makes a joke about, oh, only appears to people like right before they die. <laughs> and she's like, kidding. Although is she kidding? Who's to say? Um, and says if we want to see a big, if we see him again, she'd like to read his tarot. Um, but I, I'm curious, Sam, what about this quest uh, appeal to you? This is this is one of my favorite quests in the game, um, and it's really funny because it's such a nothing quest, mm. and that's what I liked about it. I was mm. waiting for the. It's the one time the game did not subvert things, and it paid off. Like not doing I, anything was a subversion, I guess. Because yeah, I, I kept I, waiting on like, oh, he's been he's been hacking into you the whole time, and right. he's, he's here to rip you off. I was waiting for, you know, the cynical twist or something to emerge, or like he gets you know some thug set upon him, and you've got to rescue him, or just anything that would be like typical RPG stuff. But nope, you just sit in some nice scenery. And just a guy does genuine like meditation with you, and you can just sit there. Mm. And um, I just thought it was kind of nice that it was just in there. I mean, I, I like a lot of things Cyberpunk. You kind of wish they did more with it. Mm. I think the beat that I was waiting on was an option for V to meditate on their own afterwards, mm. and sort of to sort of solidify that they have taken this on and they are willing to do this for themselves. Right. Um, I think that would have been a nice little moment. Um, but even still, just like it's this little break away from just the sheer volume of noise that this game is, and it it, it makes some of that seem purposeful in the context of they've clearly they've created this break from it, which means that they are aware of the fact that they say is this like constant barrage of noise and light and everything, and they've very consciously put in. Like, this idea of, like, getting away from it. As, like, a lot of people who live in cities think about it and stuff, you know. And getting away and... And, um... Yeah, I don't know. Like, it was just really nice. Like, and... And mm. because it's just so straightforward, it is just sitting there. And I don't know. I, I admire the commitment to just being like, no, nah, there's just... You're just going to sit in this brain desk for, like, a minute, two minutes. And he's mm. just going right. to mm-hmm. tell you about this element. And you can't do anything. There's no, there's no mini game. There's no, like using your your cyber goggles there's nothing it's just like sit there and i don't know like it's not complicated but i but i almost like wish some of the game had been a bit more like that of just like just vibing for a bit you know Mm. yeah i think something that it really stuck out to me about it it's one of the only instances that 27.7 really uses brain dances in a way that it's not about like a, it's not about a crime it's not about like yeah. us trying to like come to some new understanding about right. an event that happened like it was something that contextualized how people would use brain dances in everyday life because this is like the equivalent of like an easy listening album or like a you know a uh, a youtube video yeah yeah like an asmr video or youtube or something like that like it's something that you can imagine people just using as like a means to unwind after a day at work or something mm-hmm. like that because that was something that i really thought about with edge runners as well was when you know lucy and david go on that 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 trip to the moon for their their first date uh, i was like oh that's something that that is something like people would use a brain dance for in everyday life like that is uh-huh. something that is how this technology that is uh, allegedly so central to this world is used by the average citizen and not a merc like v and 
so I think that was something along with you know all the all the meditations that it has and all the sort of um you know the the, the meditation that it has both in you know the literal sense of just like in talking about these mortality and like what they need to be thinking about as they possibly reach their end times like along with that like I just I like that it was just a context for a technology in this game that we just not seen yet and just helped fill out the world in a way that was not so central to how V existed in it. Yeah, I think like my large takeaway was I was also very reticent at the start to be like, oh, we're doing spirituality in a cyber world. What a wild take that the Zen master is going to talk to us and say some very cliched things and then disappear mysteriously into the night and V's going to be like, whoa, cyber ghost or something like that's, you know, I, I, I felt like I was kind of putting that out. I, when I went into this, I was like, oh, is, is that it? That's the quest. And then Ken was like, nah, there's, there's three more after this. And I was like, what? what? But I think by the end, I kind of appreciated what it was doing the way that it was this, journey that you could kind of go choose to go down yourself as you kept finding him in new places or or if you were seeking him out or anything uh but also i i theorized this to ken while i was playing it the other night um i do kind of want to go back through the script of these at some point because parts of them felt weirdly like they were hinting at what the eventual endings of this game may turn out to be um some of them had like some vague references to like returning to nature and escaping the city sounds a lot like a certain ending whereas like ascending into a different plane free from you know mortal restrictions certainly sounds like another ending so i kind of want to go back and look at those scripts and see like you know are they kind of hinting at what the ending choices may be um for for cyberpunk but this does feel like a side quest that is very suited to the idea of act three that like if we look at act three as v is coming to terms with the fact that their journey is coming to an end and they're going to have to make a decision about what to do because the relic is at this point about to make that decision for them if they don't um i think this fits that very well it Mm. it it feels tonally correct to put here in act three whereas like violence violence is just another side quest like that could have gone in act one act two like whatever but uh this one specifically felt very tonally good for for where it's taking place and and also just fits in a way that i think is like another one we're going to talk about in here uh where you finally pay off the the debt that you owe the the ripper dock um it feels right to do it at this point in the story so it's, I, I it's funny you mentioned that. that one because um these are both quests that i did very early on mm. <laughs> i saw them out early and um yeah i think they, they definitely because i i paid off victor like it was literally my priority as soon as i could i was like oh no mm. i'm this guy he's getting his money and like so I made a thing of, like, paying it off, and, yeah, I guess it's, like, the thing of closure, and I guess it's interesting that I was able to do that, that, like, they, they allowed me to pay it off so early, when mm. really, in terms of the narrative arc of the game, in terms of closure and catharsis, it would have made a lot more sense to almost not allow it until later. Right. Um, and part of that is a system where money early on is kind of hard to come by by but by about the midpoint of the game it's it's frivolous i stopped thinking about right. money 
and um and that and that's the the problem they've gated a lot of things behind currency but they don't have a a system to balance that because like if you didn't have real money until the very end of the game that it would be meaningful that you finally got all the money that you would have killed for at the start of the game and now you're going to give it away to this guy before you may or may not die and you know but there's no there's no it's all these different systems that exist independently there's like the narrative what's happening narratively and then there's well we're an rpg and we're an open world game so we have to have an economy we have to simulate all this and we have to have scrap and items that you can go and sell and and therefore immediately you can just break the economy you can become mm-hmm. a millionaire sending selling stuff out of bins mm-hmm. and then and, and it's just like there's no i feel like if the game was more thoughtful about its narrative and wasn't trying to be like a, a big open world thing at all times and trying to be like a, a gta or whatever and really was committed to its narrative they wouldn't have a system where i could become a millionaire within an hour or whatever you know they would have literally just me struggling and not having money would be very strictly controlled in the context yeah. of the narrative and they would be able to drive the story that they want to tell about poverty and class this sort right. of the, the undercurrent of a lot of this and commit to it in a way that actually would matter where yeah like not having money till the end and then having to make choices about that money like you finally mm. made it and what and now that you've gone on that journey what actually matters to you what are you actually going to use this currency for and mm-hmm. they could have a real come around with it and they don't like money is nothing it, the, and the narrative terms is so important it is the driving force of so much of what you and jackie do um and yet in terms of the actual game itself money is irrelevant it's nothing and it, it's just another example where the game sort of at odds of it itself and it's a shame because i can't imagine a version of this game where yeah you get to the end and you finally can pay off victor and it's a choice you know maybe you've got other things that you could spend the money on the game lays some stuff out but you pay him off because it's like well he was there for me like this means a lot to Mm -hmm. to be able to pay him back like and the catharsis of that i can imagine but for me it was just like i'll just pay him off i'll just go sell some armored jackets and here you go there's your money (laughs) and it's just and it becomes nothing what i'm hearing is play citizen sleeper a, a game mm. a cyberpunk game where where money is an issue and it talks about things like class and stuff with that um but sam any last thoughts on, on cyberpunk as a whole um i mean yeah i mean i think like that is sort of a lot of my frustration with it because i feel like there's a lot of narrative meat here and we, we mm-hmm. talked about quests where they touch on stuff there's 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 moments where the game pulls it off i still think a lot of those Act 2 quests that you've covered, I do think that stuff, a lot of it, is genuinely really good. I think my favourite set piece in the whole game is going um, diving with Jitty. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. no combat, no, no like, brain dance puzzle solving. It is just go and explore the space and just enjoy the, the literal and the subtext of diving into Judy's past and confronting all of her stuff. And I just feel like that's the game firing all cylinders that's when it is it, world building and it's characters and visuals all of that stuff is working together really harmoniously and then there's so many moments where it's like this where it's like money doesn't matter and you know like this technology that's super important to the plot doesn't matter here because this is just a tiny act three quest and whatever and there's just so many times where systems and ideas get left at the wayside or bump into each other and 
the game just always feels in the verge of just like completely collapse sometimes i feel like it does completely collapse and Mm -hmm. it's just frustrating because even in this stuff which um like the violence quest i feel is very insubstantial but i feel like even that has something right if you were to if you were to write if you're in a writer's room and you pitch that you would be like oh oh this is great there's a lot to get into here we can we can do a lot with this and they do nothing and you know it is just it's just a shame because i think all the ingredients are there and I think that was sort of my overall feeling of with Cyberpunk was the stuff that works that they pull off is so good and that just makes the the amount of times the game drops the ball just stand out so much more. It's mm-hmm. just like, damn, you you do know what you're doing. And I, I suspect a lot of it's just an issue of scale. You cannot you cannot make a game this big with this much stuff going on and wrangle it all together coherently. Like I just there's so much excess in it and it's inevitably going to start to like you know fall apart and yeah it's just a shame and i think act three is sort of where you really feel that like come to bear where it is like oh damn like the the budget ran out time ran out this is just (laughs) put some stuff in here and let's be done Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it is as we've gone through these side quests has been more and more interesting to feel like you can almost tell that there was a a level of detail given to some of the act two side quests and, and major events that happen in, in companion scenes and stuff like that. And then you have something like every breath you take or um, the one with Pepe and, and his wife where it's like, Oh, that was a very stilted ending that just happened. That felt very like we, we stopped the car, everybody out the quest is done. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it does make me interested to see where CD Projekt goes from here uh, and, and, and what they choose to focus on from here. But Sam, I want to thank you for coming on, for hanging out, for chatting with us. Where can the folks find you and all the wonderful things you do on the internet? Um, you can find me uh, at Sam M. Greer on Twitter. Um, you can find my YouTube and Twitch are there. I actually wrote a thing on Cyberpunk as well, so I'll maybe share that again in the future, but Yep, at Sam M. Heck, yes. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. And folks, we'll see you in the next segment where we wrap up the side quests of Act 3. Don't go far. This is Kerry Uridine, and you're listening to Norman DFM Cyberpunk 2077 Retrospective. And we are back with the final section of our Act 3 side quest adventure. It's been a journey so far, Ken, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a journey to all the various odds and ends of Night City and me picking very specific side quests that I, I kind of just, honestly, like in this last section, I picked a few of these because I want to just watch you have to go on this like wild... Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Ken. Thanks for picking. Ironically, the one you picked that was the Wild Goose Chase uh, ended up being my favorite of the bunch. So joke's Mm, on you. mm, mm. Uh, We are, of course, talking about the first side quest that we're going to talk about here. Killing in the Name, which, as you might know, is a song by a band called Rage Against the Machine. Famously apolitical band, (laughs) Rage Mm -hmm. Against the Machine. (laughs) Um, Boy, so... Ken, we've talked before how, you know, once Act 3 hit in my original playthrough of the game, that was kind of when I put this game down. There were parts of it that I remember doing um, stuff like some of the Grimes stuff and and 
uh i got i remember riding a roller coaster with keanu reeves at some point i swear to god i thought this was the part where i got to ride the roller coaster with keanu reeves but i guess it wasn't um i do not remember how you get to go on the roller coaster with you can ride a roller coaster with with keanu reeves yeah yeah no that is literally a part of this it was in like the promo materials and stuff you can like hold on hold on i i i mm, okay ride roller coaster with, with Johnny Silverhand. In Cyberpunk. This is fantastic bog content. I'm serious. Do not Holy. cut this, Ken. I need the live I'm... discovery of this. There's a roller coaster in Pacifica. To... Well, damn. We're going to have to go do that before we do the finale. Yeah. Yeah. That's what... That should be like the opening to the finale. Sure. All right. Like first impressions of a roller coaster ride with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> to open the finale uh we'll do that um that is a thing right that isn't something i just imagined that is actually i I just googled it it's real yeah okay see i thought that was this quest because this quest ends at the amusement park killing in the name ends at an amusement park in pacifica the amusement park in pacifica and i was so hyped because i was like yes Ken picked the roller coaster quest. We're going to go on the roller coaster. And then it was something different and something I enjoyed very much, actually. But uh, we'll get to that. Uh, to start off with Killing in the Name, Ken, uh, y- you are familiar with the works of, of Rage Against the Machine, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fuck you. And, I, don't, I won't do what you tell me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that song, Killing in the Name, uh, you're familiar with the lyrics of it, correct? Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with more than just the chorus of that song? Yeah. I would question whether CD Projekt Red is because mm. um, Killing in the Name is a series of, of quests. They're kind of daisy chained together, but but not the same as some of the other ones we're going to do here or like the meditation one we've already talked about where it is one contiguous quest where you are kind of chasing this thing uh that you find on the bart moss collective forums and so right away hey remember how i kept talking about how i wished cyberpunk would use the internet that Mm -hmm. was kind of cool that you got this quest from Mm -hmm. opening up a forum page and and reading the replies and then you call uh nancy uh, from the carry quests and say hey I saw you were in there. Shoutouts to Nancy doing, you know, the classic tech blogger strat of replying in the forum saying, mm-hmm, I am a mm-hmm. reporter for blank blank. Would you like to talk about the story? Here is my signal number. <laughs> and, um, you know, you, you try to get the lowdown from her, but she very much tries to almost like ward you off the case, as it were, mm. in a way that I was sitting there like, I wonder if... I wonder if Nancy's not telling me everything about mm-hmm. this situation. I wonder if there's more. What if Nancy's in on it? What mm-hmm. if Nancy's in on the conspiracy? And uh, you basically are trying to track down this online prophet of sorts. I forget what the name Swedenborg, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is in hindsight, maybe should have been a, a a stronger sign of what was to come in, in this quest of a name like Swedenborg. But uh, we basically start tracking different routers around the city because we find that the messages that were coming from this philosopher that the people on the Bartmoss Collective site are all heralding as this voice 
um, as the, as this interesting voice and philosophizer of the people, um, is is someone we were trying to find. And, and they leave. I like that they leave the motivation for it kind of up in the air, because uh, along the way Johnny is kind of goading you and being like, "Oh, you're looking for." solace you're looking for words of wisdom from some internet prophets you're not going to find him there uh he has a very callous offhand remark about how he throws out internet sayings like uh randy teenager or something like that like he just tosses them out and people guzzle them up and i was like yeah that's 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 a johnny silverhand classic right there (laughs) and um, we, we keep going further and further and, and the places we are going keep getting stranger and stranger. There was one place where, uh, I had to clear out some aggressive enemies that were already there. There was one of the NCPD assault in progress, uh, setups, uh, in the same area. And then another, another part was in like the solar farms, I believe it, on, on mm-hmm. top of one of the, like the higher buildings there. Uh, and all the while Johnny's kind of goading you like, do you think you're going to get some sort of truth out of this V and you can kind of be like, Oh, you know, I just want to see what's at the end of this wild goose chase or like, I'm starting to doubt it. Or you can be like, no, I, I, you know, shut up, Johnny. You don't know what you're talking about. I want to find what's at the end of all this. We reach the end and the end is an amusement park. And in the amusement park, there is a fortune teller style, almost like the the thing from Big. If you've seen the movie Big with Tom Hanks, uh, there's a fortune teller type uh, display that is espousing views about capitalism and corpos and stuff like that. And Keanu Reeves playing Johnny Silverhand delivers what I think might be one of his best performances in this moment where he is just smitten with the idea that as it turns out this internet philosopher is just some kid just some hacker who Mm. set who set up a bot that bounces the signal around the city to mask its presence to mask its location and has been stirring up the internet shit fest for ages at least a year by the time we've gotten to this this billboard this this display board in the amusement park and once we discover it the person who had been stringing us along informs us that we've been pwned (laughs) in the classic forum language in that classic hacker language which honestly i would be a little annoyed at the mimetic use Mm. of pwned if not for the fact that that felt very authentic to like you have just gone on a wild goose chase that was probably laid out by like a 14 year old Mm. in a basement somewhere. And uh, Johnny is just having a field day with it. And you can even put money in to get like pseudo philosophies out of it and things like that. And then you kind of have a choice. You can either disconnect it or leave it running. And then you can either tell Nancy about it or not tell her about it. Uh, Ken, what did you choose on both fronts? Uh, I ended up telling her just because that was like journalistic solidarity, and mm. I, I think I, just, I what I well other than I wanted us to play with the show because I wanted to watch you have to like do this whole chase, uh, ch- chasing the truth as it were. I did like it as just an example of like a sort of like Night City urban legend, like something that had mm-hmm. like you know the mm-hmm. story that people have talked about, you know, ostensibly. As as much as Johnny was like, hey, leave it running. I want people to be like you know still compelled by this thing. It did make me think about how, 
like even in the midst of all that he's saying like oh this is all bark there's no bite there's no actual action behind any of this this is just like sentiment that the thing is spreading and i it, i guess in my own twisted way i was like maybe like the truth of it being this sort of um this uh this automated thing that some kid like hacked and has been spreading like maybe just like the knowledge that this is not real there's nothing actionable behind this maybe that could lead to something better who's to say I did. I left it running and did not tell Nancy, um, and I will tell you why. Number one, let, let me let me get through through some points here. Number one, the reason why I brought up the name "Killing in the Name" is because I'm pretty sure the intent behind it was just, uh, and now you do what they told you, and now you mm-hmm. do what they told you. And it's about like following the idiot. I can see some level of ideology that leads to this, where it's about like, oh, you just follow whatever thought leader takes you wherever mm. and you don't think for yourself and now you've been pwned <laughs> and mm. i feel like there are better songs to get that across especially in a game that you know another one of the famous lines in in killing the name is some of those who work forces are the same who burn crosses and you want to talk about like things that cyberpunk maybe could have examined a bit better place of the ncpd and and what the state of it is especially in a place like pacifica where we have already learned like the the ncpd just stopped policing pacifica because they Mm. considered like they can just police themselves there we don't we're not even going to go into that district um i i was kind of hoping for that and so that's the only reason i brought it up is because i think you know, if if I'm going to critique any quest naming that has happened in the game so far, this is the one place I'm going to do it where I felt like they went a little too literal with it. Um, I can understand why in a writer's room that that might have popped off the page. But if you wanted to do something else about like, I don't know, espousing the views of somebody else, like isn't cult of personality like right there? Mm. Like there's a lot of different ways you could have gone with this. Um, anyways. How have you, like, uh, uh, across the game broadly, like, how have you felt about, like, the naming conventions of the quests? Because I, I've, some of them, like, stick out to me. And we, you know, we, we colloquially call the entire quest line uh, with the, the the passion of the Christ brain dance. We call it Center Man, but it's, like, multiple, there are multiple steps in that uh, that had different names anyway. But, like, mm-hmm. some of them have felt like they really honed in on something and, like, kind of felt very evocative of what the quest entails. Some of them less so, I would say. I feel there are a few that stick out to me with how well they fit. Uh, like Pyramid Song, I think, is one of them. I think that is an excellent like choice of song, both lyrically and for like general tone. I think a lot of Carrie's ones were very good, too. Like Rebel Rebel is, is just... Mm. It, it feels like a... Maybe it doesn't suit exactly what is happening in the quest, but it feels very tonally correct for the type of rock star i imagine carry to be which like rebel rebel like that's absolutely like a classic rock song but maybe feels like you can you you can tell it's of an age and carry is becoming an artist who is of an era and he is kind of coming to terms with that that's part of his character so i kind of like that for for him i think there's a lot of like dream on is another one where i feel like maybe the exact lyrics don't match up but like there's something about i i think we've talked about this before like just personally but i have a thing where 
I, I don't know if there's a word for this in the way that like, you know, some people can like see colors in words and stuff like that. I, I forget what the word for that. Synesthesia, I believe. Um, when like, like I feel like words have certain like tonal quality to them, almost like a texture that when they, they will sound right to somebody, they will communicate an idea beyond just what the definition of the word is. But like, materially they will feel like something that feels congruous with a concept you know like congress is a good example yeah yeah yeah. evocative like there there was the word cadence is one of my favorite words because i feel like there is a that sharp d sound like really gets in the idea of like the drum beat like the snare hit um of a Mm. cadence and I, I feel like Dream On just feels texturally correct, along with being that sort of like high minded, you know, like dream until your dreams come true. But like, you know, this person is dreaming. It's not based in reality. It's not based in mm. the fundamental facts of what are happening. And, and the dreamer is not aware of what is happening and what happens when you wake the dreamer, that sort of thing. So I feel like there are some that really do get into some cool places and I think elevate it. There are others where like killing the name where I feel like it is a just kind of a way for them to do some cute jokes. And I don't necessarily Mm. dislike that. Um, But I do feel like there are places where maybe could have done a second pass. Uh, I'm sure if somebody went and like dissected all the different uh songs song titles used in cyberpunk uh they would find a very interesting cross-section a very interesting spotify playlist of the musical influences of the writers behind this that could probably shed greater light on some of the thinking that went into some of the writing and things like that um i'm sure there is a robust think piece at the bottom of that well but (laughs) it's um see now that i've said that i gotta blog it um (laughs) But overall, I think it's I think it's overall it's fine. You know, plenty of games do that where they will have individual quests named after certain things. Uh, so I don't necessarily hate using the quest titles, like using all of them in this uniform way. Uh, it does lead to some situations where I think, like compared to The Witcher, The Witcher has very specific quest lines. Like the Bloody Baron is is an infamous one, and, and that's something where it's just you associate it so well with the events that happen. It becomes very eponymous and like sinner man is the same way. And so it's interesting that like the musical tones get locked in with the actual context of the, the quest itself, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's largely fine. This is like the most I have ever paid attention to. It was this quest specifically. Um, but on the note of the quest, it worked out of the naming convention for our season. Yeah, yeah, we have. If you have not been paying attention to the to the pod titles, we have been using song titles throughout all this. I cannot wait to try and come up with what our title for this one's going to be. Um, oh, I got an idea. Oh, good, good. It, well, what did we do for the last act two? Was it was that day in the life? Did we talk uh, about day in, day in the life, life yeah. for that? One? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Kind of feel like we burned that one early. Maybe we should have held that for this one, but I don't know. I do like. It's a good song overall. Good song. Had a, the had a couple of good are ones. fine. <laughs> yeah. They are aggressively fine. I, I think that I think that is an above average Beatles song. I don't yeah. think it's a top oh, Beatles yeah. song, but I, I would put it I'd put it in the upper stratosphere. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's in the Eleanor Rigby range. You know. Um, yeah. Mm. I, I, mm. I know, not right? a Beatles this podcast. Is, this is something <laughs> a Beatles podcast now. 
<laughs> I, I just I, I have always been of the mind that like I tend to like Beatles songs better when they are performed by other people. Oh, I, I don't think that's a hot take at all. I think that's absolutely a fine take. Um, mm. there, there are many Beatles songs. I actually, I know that Across the Universe is kind of grown-worthy sometimes, especially oh, with the some of the covers they did. Yeah, yeah. But I think there are covers they did in Across the Universe that are absolutely spectacular and made me actually mm-hmm. appreciate those songs in hindsight. Helter so Skelter. Like, Helter Skelter. Uh, yeah. Uh, She's So Heavy is, is a good down. one. Um, oh, don't let me down is so good in that one. Um, yeah, like like some of the happiness is a warm gun. Happiness is a warm gun is another one. Although I also like the original version of that song too. I like a lot of the the Lennon songs. While my guitar gently weeps is is just always going to be a a very good song for me. But that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> we're talking anyway, about sorry about uh, so killing in the name. I love this quest. I think it's probably my one of my favorite, if not my favorite period of the bunch, because like you were saying, I think you hit the nail on the head. This feels like a tall tale of mm-hmm. cyberpunk. And weirdly enough, we're going to stray back out into other pop culture for a moment. Uh, we've been watching Avatar The Last Airbender over on Acts of the Blood God, and we mm-hmm. just recently watched the tales of bossing say, which is another, uh, like an anthological story. And those are the types of stories that I think can really resonate with people because they have to be very contained. They have to get in and get out and they have to deliver the punch. They have to deliver the punchline. You know, I feel like that has been the problem with a lot of the quests we've had so far. They don't deliver the punchline. They don't Mm -hmm. deliver the moment that this thing happens and they don't like the, the way it ends is just, falling flat repeatedly and i think the ending here is really strong and it leaves most of all it leaves the player with an interesting question you know do you do you want to leave this thing as the unknown tall tale that it is or not and that might seem very um unassuming at first it might seem like a a nothing choice and a lot of people would be like oh i want choices that matter i think these choices are really interesting moments because you kind of have to ask yourself a question like do you find value in something like this and is there value in something like this i think there is because in in a world like cyberpunk where meaning has been co-opted into marketing ideas and every all all these different things have been turned into other things in in pursuit of either technological or power gain or profit gain i think just some hackers shitty joke that led you on a wild goose chase is kind of a beautiful thing that i ended up siding with johnny at the end there i think that was like johnny is is intended to kind of showcase that point that like there is beauty in just the mess that exists here in someone pulling a prank on somebody else and leaving it there forever. That's this, it's a little bit of technical ingenuity that managed to trick people like like an actual reporter for a major media network and stuff like that could not figure this out. And, And many people in the forums and stuff either couldn't figure it out or didn't figure it out or didn't want to figure it out and are just going to argue over someone's like, you know, AI fed generated chatbot <laughs> suggestions mm. for years. And that is, it's this beautiful encapsulation of, 
of the internet to me and of like human connection over digital airwaves that I was just like, it, it kind of floored me for a moment. And I was Mm. like, this is what I've wanted from cyberpunk. Oddly enough is like this moment. I know we're going to get in some other stuff here that is very much like what is sentience and things like that. But, uh, there's something so human at the core of this that feels very human, that feels very reflective of the society it was made of. And then also just that feeling of like, this was just another day in light in night city. You know, this, mm-hmm. I went on a wild goose chase in night city. And I, I like that. I like that aspect of this. And I almost wish there was more stuff like this, maybe even like back further. I, I, <laughs> Literally playing this quest made me go, oh, I want to go knock out some more question marks to find uh, <laughs> find other things like this. I, I kind of have that inclination now, and I don't know if I'm going to follow up on it. Maybe not by the time we, we roll credits or anything like that, but it, it does give me a mild uh, feeling of hope for whatever comes next for mm-hmm. Cyberpunk, that there might be some more like this, that that same sort of crunchy uh, gooey nougat of human identity in the midst of this technical wonderland that we had to go through this like forum post and follow router pings across night Mm. city and it's just a really like texturally different thing that we've been doing so far like it Mm. is functionally different than so many of the other quests we've been doing and i i like that a lot um another one Let's go on to the next quest, which honestly uh, didn't resonate as much for me. And maybe it's because of the dialogue choices I took. But I can see clearly now the rain is gone, uh, which that one is another pun uh, quest Very thing. Yeah, extremely literal. And then spray, po- spray paint is another one. Coin-operated boys, at least, like kind of clever. But... Um, this is one we hinted at earlier in in our season uh, about a sentient, possibly sentient uh, vending machine uh, that's outside one of the mega buildings. And it is a, I believe what they call a schism, an SCSM. Mm-hmm. I am Googling the cyberpunk wiki right now to tell you what that stands for. Um, don't worry, I'm almost there. Uh, a spontaneous craving satisfaction machine. Okay, that was worth looking up. <laughs> um, but it's basically, you know, kind of a functional automated uh, vendor for a vending machine of some kind, whether it's going to serve you uh, food or drink, or in, in Brendan's case, it is a hot coffee machine, which you really honestly don't see around all that often, especially mm-hmm. in, in the US, which this is kind of novel in a way. Um, so I did enjoy that. I was like, oh, neat. I, I think these are really cool. And I'm kind of bummed that you don't see them everywhere. I would love a little hot coffee vending machine on the corners. But uh, Brendan wants you to come over, wants to start up a conversation, wants to chat with you. You can, you can get a joke from him. You can hang out with him. He gives you a can of soda, a little Nicola for free. And he's like, you know what? I'm sorry. I I don't want to take advantage of our blossoming friendship, but there's a dumpster in front of me that's kind of blocking my view of the street. It's making my job really tough. Can you go move it? 
and and it's <laughs> I was about to say we go and we pass a very slim, like small, tiny strength check, and then I saw that you did not have the strength to pass it. <laughs> no, I had to go take out uh, some. I don't know, it was a cyber psycho or uh, something, and I could level up. I was like, look, I hadn't been, I had not been putting any points into body. I I have not had a direct physical altercation in this game that was not scripted to at this point and i get out of places unseen i don't punch shit so look that's that's all fair that's all fair i put some points in there because classic role-playing game strategy at some point you want to dump some points into uh into health it's always gonna help Mm -hmm. so it's it is a universal stat that uh will help no matter what class you are uh, so it's always good to put some points in. Maybe that's what Brendan's trying to teach us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> thank you for putting the note. Not to be confused with friend of the show, Brendan Groom. Because <laughs> I did immediately have that moment too. Um, anyways, we pushed it out of the way. He's like, I'll catch you later. And then I tried to kill him. Because I wanted to see if I could kill him. And you cannot kill him. He is not killable. This this is a bulletproof. You cannot kill him in a way that matters. Yes. Yeah, this is a bulletproof immortal possibly sentient coffee machine anyways we come back later a woman named theo is talking to brendan about a guy that she's dating and he's he's got issues uh she she keeps talking about oh he's so afraid that's going to end that he does it first and i'm the one that's got to repair it every time and you know brendan's just kind of consoling her and being like look you are a good person you do not deserve to be treated like that. All right. Like, like he's, he's being a very good listener, very mm. good listener. Uh, you know, she says, thank you, Brandon walks away. And we're like, what the hell was that? And he's like, look, mm. I'm just trying to be good at my job and, and being good at my job means listening. And you can start to kind of poke and prod and, and be like, why are you listening? Why are you learning? Why are you retaining info? And Brendan's very much just like, because it'll help me. It'll help me you know, serve people better to serve man. You know, a Twilight Zone joke for, for all y'all out there, our older listeners. <laughs> um, we come back later again, and some dude's like trying to spray paint on Brendan. And we're like, hey, hey, no. No, this is our pal. This is our coffee machine. This is our go-to coffee guy. And and he's like, oh, oh, back up. It's just a schism. It's just an SCSM. Who cares? And then Brendan's like, your mother wouldn't think highly of this, <laughs> which is a great way to escalate the situation. And then we have to uh, deal with that dude getting all kind of aggressive because he starts claiming we're part of a corpo conspiracy. So good to know that... Uh, the the podcast nuts are alive and well in, in cyberpunk 2077 um we take him out and brennan's like oh you saved me you helped me out this is so great and he's you know he's he's like oh i want to you're so nice but i can't speak ill of the dead and then that's when we suddenly realize that brendan knows that we are dying because apparently he mm. has listened in to conversations that people have had about V around him, and so he knows what's going on, which suddenly made me start to wonder, okay, like, if there are random people just talking about V's condition in front of the coffee machine, why 
is the Arasaka Corporation not like barging down your door the next day? Is the Arasaka Corporation just hilariously bad at collecting info? Is that what's going on here? But I mean, they're um, willing to take dead bodies out of the back of the car to yeah. make them into engrams. So, but apparently, they won't just bug a co- <laughs> if they had bugged one coffee machine, they would have figured this all out. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so again, we are still like. We're like, hmm, what's going on here? What's wh- what are you doing? What are you doing? And I think at this point we can't actually be like, you're sentient. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not. I just, shh, 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 shh. I'm, I'm not sentient. I'm just, I'm serving coffee. I'm just a little guy. Just a little guy in a little vending machine serving coffee. Um, the last time we come back, Brendan is being taken away. Uh, Theo is there very upset. Apparently someone came to haul him off and and uh, be taken care of. So we got to go chase him down and we head to uh, the shop where he is being firmware updated. And uh, apparently his personality, it's not this sort of thing where it's like, oh, my God, he's turning sentient. We have to stomp out sentience. No, sentience is honestly kind of fine in this world. Mm-hmm. And especially it's implied that it you know that is not anywhere near the case and if you take some technical checks here you can also be like brendan has not like does not have the processing power to achieve full sentience which is kind of what the route i took was was Mm. v is kind of like oh you do not have the processing power to achieve full sentience like you literally just do not have the capacity the ones and zeros uh necessary to achieve independent thought you just have some programs within you that are incredibly good at simulating original conversation and thought, which I was like, uh, like, like I get why that's in there. I get why that's an interesting role-playing choice. I kind of wish it wasn't in there. Kind of wish they kept the intrigue up, you know, or maybe just kind of like try to trick you a little bit more. Cause once that veil falls away, it's that that's kind of the magic of the quest right there is, is the Mm. coffee machine sentient? Are you watching a sentient being get, updated with firmware so that it can be more adherent to other coffee machines in the city, which are earning more money with their less conversational ways. Like, which that's kind of an interesting setup, right? Is like, Mm. they don't want to change him because he's becoming sentient. They want to change him because he's not making as much money as he could be making. And Lord, if that doesn't hit home. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, I I, I think it's a fine list. If you're, you know, if you're like, if you've got the technical skills, you can see through the facade and see the actual truth of the thing. And like, it doesn't actually amount to anything in terms of like, you can't stop it. Like, you can't uh, change anything. Either way, nothing changes. Right. Because like, but I mean, I guess it does like give you, like, there is a distinctly different emotional sort of crescendo to the thing as you're playing. If you're not a character that has, you know, the skills to be able to see through the stuff, and then you can. Be you know you can have the more emotional reaction like you can be like no this can't happen no I'm gonna stop this but then you know ultimately it doesn't it doesn't amount to anything but it does like it's ignorance is bliss you know like you you get to believe that this was this tragic story of an AI being squashed out if you're not you know if you're not actually uh, educated and putting your points in the right place but you know the the more learned person gets to see the, the cynical reality of it all I. I think the 
the reason I had issue with it, I'll just say like the way the quest wraps is you you go back and you can tell Theo like you you have a very funny conversation with Brendan and he can like imitate a dying hero like dying on the battlefield, which is very cute and very fun. Uh, and, and you go back and you tell you can either tell Theo and be like, hey, this is what's up, or or not, um, not follow through on that because that's just a thing you can do in this game, I guess. Um, but I, I I didn't really care much for how that capped off with Theo and all that. Like it was very much like, Oh, well it was nice to have known him. I'll always remember him. Like that's whatever. Like, I feel like they just put that in there because that was the way like effectively to cap it off. I think Mm -hmm. the cap off with Brendan at the store is more interesting because what it did for me when when I kind of like saw through the veil was it turned him into a video game character. And I don't mean like, obviously all of these characters are video game characters. I mean like for my V that essentially turned him into the equivalent of what a video game character of a video game that V is playing is to V, you know? And so like, that's one step further removed from my own ability to suspend disbelief and, have empathy for virtual pixels on a screen. And so once you were kind of at that point of like teetering on the edge of it, like it just becomes like lighthearted. I, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying that it's like, Oh, they, they did this wrong. This is terrible. Like I, I just think uh, at that point, it kind of like the veil drops away a little bit and, and it's it like, Oh, it in a way. yeah. Yeah. It, in a way that ultimately like, did I walk away from it with some interesting thoughts and, and obviously the things that, it implicates about you know night city and wanting to maximize uh you know levels of profit over some mm-hmm. honestly what even your technically advanced v will say is like some pretty groundbreaking tech uh right like you know throw that in the bin because it's five percent under the other machines in the city right. so update it to that firmware instead uh i think that's all pretty interesting and i i, I like that a lot um it just i think it, it swaps one story out for another at the very end, you know, it pulls mm. the little um, three coconuts in a ball and uh, you, you think it's going to be one kind of thing. And you could, could theoretically close out this story and, and think it's still about that same thing if you wanted to, or you can kind of like see through the veil and find another different meaning in it. And that's kind of what I did. And so it kind of put like a weird note on the end that didn't, didn't like land as directly and squarely as killing in the name did for me mm. sweet dreams let's talk about sweet dreams they're made you know, of these oh so speaking of quests that i did just to m- make you like just to, like <laughs> watch you do it watch me go through it yeah i mm-hmm. feel like people once may not recognize this by name but the second they hear me talk about it, they'll be like oh this one uh, so this is maybe a good example of cyberpunk's willingness to let you punch out of a quest at any time. Um, mm-hmm. You start off with a brain dance seller named uh, Stefan hounding you, just trying to sell you up on this real great brain dance. It's gonna be- I love that the specifics are not even there, that you're just being mm-hmm. told how great this brain dance is. You're not going to believe how good this brain dance is. It's going to blow your mind. It's pretty expensive, though. You know, getting a brain BD like this does not come around very often. Uh, and also, you're going to need to use my special BD player, and you can even try to use your own, and it won't, the file format won't mm. work. Because uh, as it turns out, it fries your freaking brain. <laughs> because uh, V, after using the special BD player and the special BD, wakes up on the bathroom floor 
of what I'm pretty sure is the same apartment that you get Sandra Dorset out of at the beginning of the mm-hmm. game. <laughs> and, uh, you are in in a bathroom with scabs all around the outside. Johnny is just being like, of course they put me in the head of the dumbest, most gullible Merc in all of night city, which once again, like Keanu Reeves doing some solid work on the periphery here. Really, really solid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> have a great, honestly, segment of having to sneak around in your underwear and you know either sneak out or if you are not you know a silly person getting all your equipment back from the locker and murdering a bunch of scavs and then going down to stefan and being like i want my money back (laughs) it's a it's a very good like bit it's a very good Mm -hmm. fun this this feels like a comedy sketch of a quest right Mm -hmm. like it has the flow of a comedic skit uh and I think that works. I think that goes well. It's really funny that we talked about all these grandiose quests, right? You know, things like Dream On and Sinner Man, which have all these different aspects to them and bring up really profound questions and bring up really cool, interesting ideas. And I think it's okay to have those. And it's also good, like like not just okay, but like good and effective for an RPG to have quests like this that are like mm. bits that are just... Right a funny gag and and you say like oh i just made you do them because i wanted to see you do them right to me ken that is a sign that this is a good quest because you went oh no 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 eric's gotta play this you can't play cyberpunk and not do this thing this like you can't get the whole of what cyberpunk is without seeing this that to me is the signifier of a good quest when it's like, mm. oh no, yeah, it's is it a funny bit? You wake up in your underwear, you gotta fight your way out of the scav, hide out, get your clothes back, and then roll on down to Stefan and be like, I want my money back. <laughs> yes, it's a very good bit. Uh, so I think I, it, this works for me. This is a good quest mm. to me, honestly. It, like I think it was the the thing that stuck out to me is like, why is it so late in this game? Because that feels like a really like strong tone setter for night city that you put like the beginning for like a new player to be like okay like you need the relic you do need the relic that's the important that's true that's true you do you you do need johnny silverhand to make sure that you get out alive um (laughs) because that's just like a thing it's like that almost feels like a nomad exclusive quest where like some new guy's like come into the city doesn't know anything about it but because like why would a street kid or a corpo be fall for this shit It, it, it was one of those things where it's like as it kept going, like it was just very blatantly obvious. Like this is, the vibes are off right now. This is bad. This is not something that anyone with any any self preservation would do. And that and then you keep doing it. And then the payoff is actually pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It honestly, it's just that it's that bit of comedic timing. Like when Sam was on here talking about um, the, I believe it was Sam that was talking about the Witcher quest, right, with the horse, mm-hmm. um, and uh like the the potential comedic nature of the outcome of that quest if you're not paying attention right and here it's the comedic payoff if you even if you know like there was a part of me that kind of knew where this quest was going where i had a feeling as i was agreeing to this bd and i was putting on this headset I was like, I'm going to wake up in a bathtub somewhere, aren't I? Like, I've seen I've seen enough movies. I know how this bit goes. And yeah, you did. Good job. And the game is even like, I can't believe you fell for that. You got to fix this now. This is your problem to solve now. Like, you walked yourself 
into that rake and stepped directly on it. And now we are going to let the handle hit you and you are going to have to figure out what to do next after that. I think that's, that's good. Mm. It's a good bit. And honestly, as we've talked about these quests, uh, you know, like the, the Pepe quest and, and the, the us cracks quest and stuff, things that have had, um, cool ideas that maybe don't get fully fleshed out in the run of them. This to me feels like some quest givers working within constraints that know exactly how much Mm -hmm. like wiggle room and, and like runway they have and doing something really effective within those constraints. That's what street sweet dreams has felt like. That's what uh, the vending machine series felt like even something that did not like hit as much for me. And that's, that's clearly what killing the name felt like to me. And this this series of quests you picked out as as the remaining ones do i question our guests about why they would choose the other ones over these possibly (laughs) but i i do walk away from these like yeah yeah no this this all worked like like you said you know did i want some of this maybe a little bit earlier yeah sure like this these probably could have fit at different points and that's maybe more of a question about the larger structure of cyberpunk and some of the ways they have to pace the, mm. these things out because of, you know, the nature of Johnny Silverhand and the relic and all that. But uh, they, they're good. They're solid. Like, no, I mean, and it altogether just kind of, I think draws more attention to how uneven act three is as a, like a collection yes. of side quests, comparatively speaking to act two. Cause like all in all, like the, the major, you know, uh, tent pole, quests in act two they were they are some of the most standout moments in this game uh you know required or not and act three it it just it feels like for every question that it raises it it there are a lot of answers that does not always feel like it's willing to actually follow through and find out and that's uh it's, it's just been interesting like seeing how some quests manage the constraints that they they seem to have had in the final hours of this game and how others don't yeah it, it it does feel almost weirdly reversed that Act Two feels like you are doing a lot of things that are very important and very like you know big budget dramatic like mm. big set piece things where they have done these really set out bespoke areas for all these things to happen and Act Three makes Night City feel a little bit more lived in to me makes it feel mm. like there's just kind of stuff happening in night city all right. the time. And you are just kind of stumbling your way onto stuff when you really like, I think ballad of buck ravers is maybe the closest that the act two side quest got to this for me. Mm. Um, and it, it is kind of interesting that it feels, you know, theoretically like those should be swapped, but in some way also like V is at this point starting to make peace with the fact that they are going to die and there's nothing that they mm. can do about it. Like there is, there are ways that, you know, as we come into the finale and, and as we've kind of learned already up to this point, like the end is inevitable. It is how we choose to get there is, is the choice that we are going to be able to make. And I think that that really caps off well with our last side quest here, which is not an act three specific side quest, but we saved for the end just because it felt right, felt right to do it here. Uh, paid in full, which is you just pay off your debt to to vic for the the stuff he gives you at the beginning of the game uh he gives you some sick uh, i think kiroshi optics at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the game 
uh, which is kind of the the game's way of saying like this is how V always has the ability to do the the scanning and all that other stuff uh, to be able to see bullet counts and things like that. Um, but it gives you the option to either pay Vic back or never pay Vic back if you don't want to. Uh, and we do we we head down to the shop and we talk to Vic and we can be like, hey, look, I wanted to pay you back. You've always been good to me. You always spotted me. You always gave me stuff, even when you knew uh, you might not ever see the Eddies again. Uh, I just wanted to like give you something. He even tries to like reject it at first. He's like, mm-hmm. "No, you need it more than I do." And and you're like, "No, I'm, dude, I am leaving, and and right. not like leaving in a temporary sense. So, uh, let me do this for you." And I do, I agree with you. It does feel a little anticlimactic, maybe because this can kind of take place at any points i think you could even do it before johnny silverhand is rammed in the back of your head uh if you really wanted to grind out the currency and do it um yeah you'd you'd be working with very little in terms of ways to get money in that first act it's like uh there i i I send you the video of the the person who figured out how to um they they grinded in is that the is the right word they grinded they ground they 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 leveled they they power leveled mm. in Final Fantasy X so that Tidus could defeat the first, like the tutorial monster that's supposed to teach you how to use magic with Lulu, um, just to show what would happen if you did that and like guess what nothing special happens you just don't mm. get the tutorial thing that's like the 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 normal scenes that would play out with Lulu being like that's how magic works. That's mm. it. And somebody like mm. did so much grinding to make that happen. Uh and and the answer is the same thing happens uh or or, or like even less happens comparatively mm. for sequence breaking, quote unquote, like that. Uh and I don't think paying Victor off early is sequence breaking. It's maybe doing something earlier than you were intended, but like it does feel like this quest was designed to be completed whenever you want to complete it. And there is Mm. something kind of sweet about that. Like you have the option to do it whenever. And so in some cases the choice to do it and when you choose to do it can be pretty powerful and, and reflective Mm. of where you are at in your role-playing state. But yeah, um, it did, it did leave on a little bit of a weird note at the end. Yeah. I I think I was just expecting it to like maybe open up like maybe a new like dialogue branch or something that you can talk to him about now that comes up in the conversation or like just be more inquisitive about this person. And then you just, you just kind of like trade things and go on your way. And again, like, and you know, pain on debts doesn't need to be like rewarded per se. Like, I don't think you like, it's a, it's a like baseline good thing to do as a human being to pay off debts that you have mm-hmm. when you can. So like, maybe there's, it there, there's something in some inverse way, like profound about how, you know, you don't always get this, you know, reward for doing something that is simply like a good thing to do and uh, a, a kind thing to do to somebody who's been kind to you. Um, and it, it, it's, it kind of just rang w- weird to me that Vic is a pretty, like a, a regular, like kind of grounding figure in this game. And he's going to be in, the, in, especially in the finale. And it was just weird to have this thing that has just kind of like always lingered in your quest book, just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, come and go as quietly as it came yeah it feels very human in that moment to like i think a lot of us i mean shoot i myself at this moment have like mental notes in my head of like 
oh, I owe this person for the time that they like bought me a beer or they, mm. you know, they paid for our meal at a place or uh, we went to a, we went to like a concert or a sporting event or something. And they were like, nah, I'll get the tickets like that's all good. Uh, it's easier if we buy them in bulk or whatever. Mm. Like you just like like life is in a way kind of about like accumulating debt to others whether that is a fiscal debt or just a debt that you owe to other people for the help that they give you and granted like the intent is that we are always going to pay each other back we are always going to help each other and that is how we as humans get by um and and ascend as a a species is to help one another and be empathetic to one another and and give each other uh, assistance in hours of need and then provide that same assistance to others when they are in need. Um, not to get all high minded and philosophical or, you know, turn into tiny Tim from the Muppet Christmas Carol here or anything. But <laughs> I do think there is like a quiet little, I, I like what you said about the way that this almost doesn't have this big significant impact. And you know, maybe that does feel a little anticlimactic, but it's something that you can choose to do. And we mm. talked a lot about how role-playing games have those moments that let you choose to right. do things. And this is another thing that adds to the tally and doesn't matter to anyone aside from you. No, yeah. but it's a choice that is, is one that you have made. And I think that can still be an effective role-playing choice. Yeah, a role-playing choice matters even if there's no one around to hear the die roll, right? right. <laughs> and that's why I we think punched the mirror back cool. in the heist. That's why, you know, like they're all, exactly. the game excels in that moment, in those moments. Yes. If it excels in nothing else. Yeah, I, I think that is, those are the moments when I see that like CD Projekt understands something about just the raw interplay of role play and like granted like cyberpunk is you know again i'm I'm getting really philosophical in this episode i don't know why um like like the act of a role-playing video game is to act as your virtual dungeon master right is to act as the thing that's going to say like what do you want to do and and how Mm -hmm. do you want to do it and and to roll the die for you and all that like we are gussying up what is essentially a tabletop campaign of the original cyberpunk and I think it is those moments that feel the most honest to what that interaction is like that, that feel the most like we, the player are taking a moment to, I, to define ourselves in the way that you would, if you're sitting at a tabletop campaign and say, like, you could just say like, Oh, I want to cast my fireball and and I rolled a 16. Does that beat the knee roll? And like, yeah, you could just play it like that. You'd be like, I cast my fireball into the darkness with the shining confidence of a wizard on high. And like that, do you like my dungeon role-playing voice, by the way? <laughs> and um, that that is like a cool moment. It gives you that, that ability that you've like created a V in that moment. You've created a character and you've embodied that character in your choices. So, um hmm. Does that mean that I think cyberpunk is a good video game? Nah, but <laughs> it's, it is a good moment and uh, we love to see those. And on that note, that is the end of our act three side quest venture, which honestly has been a bit of an illuminating experience for me. If I'm being honest, this, I, I enjoyed the side quest series quite a bit because I think it really did make us interrogate the deeper parts of, 
of cyberpunk that we that have felt like they were lingering as we went into the finale right mm. yeah i mean uh, we we went through like a roller coaster of i mean we're gonna go on a roller coaster in the beginning of the next episode but we went on a roller coaster of feelings about this game <laughs> in this lengthy episode yeah it's it's the moment where i feel much like v i'm starting to say goodbye to night city mm. i'm starting to like yeah. get ready for the thing that is going to take me on the path to the end and in that way, it feels like a really good send off. So maybe, maybe in its messiness, maybe in its slice of life approach, and maybe in the ways that it does not feel scripted or like a roller coaster, maybe by leaving the roller coaster out, we discover a little bit more about Night City in the process. Mm-hmm. But we're still riding that fucking roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm excited that you're like, in this reflective state as we go into the end of this game, because I think I've been doing a lot of table setting to get here, but the, the ending of this game is probably my favorite part of it. And all the complicated feelings aside, I think I am leaning towards just like saying outright, I think I like this game a fair bit. And I'm excited for us to kind of like really lay that all out next episode. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk in, in deeper mm. respects as we get there. But like, I will say that as has happened frequently, and doing a, a game for Normandy FM. I think even if you come out of it still saying like, oh, actually, you know, Jade Empire is still kind of clunky. <laughs> and, mm. you know, Dragon Age 2 certainly has its shining moments that I reflect on frequently, but also just has the same dungeon copy pasted over and over about 12,000 different times. And that Act 3 really, you know, talk about stepping on rakes. But, uh, it, it does deepen my appreciation for a lot of these games mm-hmm. and it, it you know it, it's not something that i think even the average person should expect to do with a game right should you know should you at home do this with a video game you play i don't know i don't necessarily mm. know but i do i do hope it maybe even encourages you to have deeper conversations with you know the people that you play games with if you've got a friend that you're playing some sort of narrative game together and you want to have like deeper talks that maybe this provides you a framework or an idea or just the inclination to find other people because that's all ken and i are doing here is we're just talking about games and getting smart people smarter people than us to to come on the show (laughs) and and talk about the games with us and and deepening our appreciation in those ways and that doesn't mean that we're making the games better it's not it's not like suddenly i have a love for the game that I never found before, but it does mean that I feel like I've gained a greater depth of understanding of how I feel mm-hmm. about a thing and a greater understanding of and, and ability to vocalize the, the ways I feel about that game. So mm-hmm. that's all this is. This is just one giant practice, but for those at home who do, do love listening to the way we do this stuff, we are after all Normandy FM a retrospective podcast. We have many different seasons, Mass Effect, Dragon Age, Jade Empire, The Last of Us, uh, Final Fantasy X, and now Cyberpunk. And we're getting ready for the next one. may have teased it already. I'm sorry about that, Ken. But uh, <laughs> it's it's coming up soon anyways. We're, we're nearly there. So we'll, 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 we'll say what it is explicitly in the next episode. Yeah, in the finale. We'll save it for the finale, obviously. <laughs> Uh, but if you want to support us, if you want to help us out with the things we do, you can always head over to patreon.com slash normandyfm. 
we have a little bit of a tip jar thing going over there. Any amount gets you into the Discord where you can talk with other backers of the show, hang out and chat about the many different games that we have covered or will cover or are covering uh, throughout our run. And the next level up gets you these episodes as soon as Ken is done recording them or within a reasonable time frame, depending on the length of the episode. <laughs> and uh, the highest level gets your name shouted out on the next episode as soon as we are recording. I know that's been a bit different since we've kind of swapped up our recording method and we've been recording ahead in a few ways. So if you have backed and you're suddenly like, I backed, but I don't hear my name on the episode. That's kind of why we, we have a lot of people backing at the high level now. This is a much longer list than it used to be. <laughs> so shout outs to all y'all that have flooded in here. And those names on the list for this episode are Mercedes Cluis, Meredith, Shane Erickson, Darius Pippins, Genevieve Barba, Seth Pitts, Alex Stadnick, Joshua Jarvis, Andrea Sheeran, Christoph Weiss, and John Warren. Thank you all so much for contributing and helping us do the thing that we do here on Normandy FM. Folks, next week, I feel like I don't even need to, to, to build up what's happening. It's the finale. It's Ken and I. We're sitting down. It's probably going to be another three and a half hour episode conservatively mm. <laughs> and, uh we're gonna gotta go through all the vendings yeah and we gotta talk about the roller coaster because that's that's mm. really yeah. important you know endings you know, eh, you know video games end all the time every video game has an ending not every video game has a roller coaster with keanu reeves so we gotta make sure we talk about the roller coaster <laughs> but until mm. then for ken for myself thank you so much for listening we'll catch you next time on normandy fm Thank you.